Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Whoa, whoa, we just There we go. This is what happens when Nick and I are away multiple weeks. For those listening, you didn't see it, but it came up with Evan. Surprise, Evan. We're going to get to you in one second. This is episode 104. This episode is presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. You can find all of your disc golf needs at CosmicDG.com. Be sure to check it out. Look at my hat. I got a new fresh hat in the mail. It's pretty cool. Cosmic hat. So what's up, Nick? You're back from Worlds, and I don't know where back is, but you're here on, on with me tonight. Yeah, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee right now. I'll be here for another day or so. And then I'm headed back to Virginia for about a day and a half. And then I'm flying up to New England for about a month. Man, you're so, just all over and so have I lately. We have not crossed yeah. paths, but here we it's are. It's tough, dude. My, my body is freaking feeling it right now, too. <laughs> so people this week, we got a few uh, listeners who reached out to us. By the way, thank you for doing that. When, when you figure there's a problem out there, go ahead and do that. Spotify tried to cancel us, Nick. Spotify specifically, Apple Podcasts is like you're cool. Like all, all of our other platforms are cool, but Spotify totally removed our show. Gone. We couldn't find it. Search for it. it's not Savages. there. Not linked to my account. Nothing. So thank you for reaching out to us. I sent them a nasty grant. No, I'm kidding. I, I wrote them and said, "What is up?" And they actually got back to me and they said, "Wow, on our end something messed up. We deleted your show, but we found it. We found it and it's back up." So. Thank you for that. We are back up on Spotify. If there's a platform you'd like to hear us on, be sure to let us know. And if we can be so bold to ask, what, if you've been listening for a while, or this is your first episode, if you like the content, would you go rate us uh, on those platforms? It really helps us out. Uh, leave a review as well. It's, a, it's the best way you can support us. All right, uh, Nick, we've got a significant show <laughs> lined up for tonight. The World Championships just happened. You were there. You're like, yeah, I, I yeah. participated. So... What was the what was the feeling on the ground? Uh, feeling on the ground when I first got there, I got there about three or four days prior, and um, I went out the first night at about seven fifteen or so. I went out with Paul and Billy Engel, and we played a couple holes just at Emporia Country Club. This is my first time playing, you know, these courses, and uh, instantly it was just like, okay, for me personally, this is a bomber fest. I've got to throw it pretty much as far as I can on almost every single shot. Um, a lot of forehands. And so I remember that first day we played like six or seven holes and my shoulder was already kind of like, I had just driven 10 hours from Nashville to get out there and, uh, tried to play as many holes as I could before the sun went down mm-hmm. and the amount of forehands that I'm throwing was uh, pretty crazy. And so that was kind of a shock in the sense of like, I've, I've never played a tournament where I've had to throw this hard every single hole. And I think not even just because I don't throw that far, it's like even the top players, you know, watch Aaron Gossage, watch his round, how he bombs forehands the whole time. And um, so it was pretty, pretty okay. new in that regards. Okay. I will say, like, I thought the tee pads at Emporia Country Club were pretty <laughs> awful. Hold on. I mean, hold that's on. We're going to get to all yeah. this talk. OK, all right, we, we are right. going to get to it. I want to yeah. make sure we 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 I was going to say we flashed Evan, but yeah. no, we we put Evan up on the screen for a second. And yeah. I want to make sure he's in this conversation here. Evan, welcome to the show. You officially beat me today using a disc that I have never seen used before. What disc did you use that I thought was that awesome? So we got some new Stat Mando Stat Zones. Uh, they're a glow so Z zone and got a little Stat Mando logo on it to commemorate our Stat Zone module on our site. If you haven't checked it out, there's so many different just 
stat pages just like we couldn't even get to all of them so we just threw them all on this one page stat zone yeah where can can they find that so they're at infinite dis uh if you just search stat mando on their site you can easily find it there's a lot of zones to look through you can buy other zones too but you should buy stat zones uh first and foremost okay i've got mine on the way i found that with infinite disc i had points lined up and for every like thousand points it was 10 bucks dude i found money at infinite and oh, that's I, pretty sweet. yeah nick's like that's cool i think i had 70 yeah. bucks sitting in there and so i bought a few zones i got some comments you know i love those so uh thanks for sharing yeah. that. and by the way i'm serious evan beat me today we did something really cool we actually ended up playing what we call safari around at maple hill it was like this like forecasted rainy rainy day so like not all the tea times got filled and nick we'll have to do it when you're back here we'd be like dude let's go from here to this basket over there and we've never played this mm-hmm. hole before and it was just so fun long story short we went into a four hole playoff really epic okay. evan took it down we bought him lunch so it's all about playoffs yep. lately <laughs> dude and- you were in the playoffs yeah it's it's yep. and paul's in the yep. playoffs okay so evan would you do this for us would you give us a quick recap of worlds and by quick i mean we're going to talk about a lot here but this just basic what happened at worlds yeah so uh starting with the women kristen tatar takes it down in pretty epic fashion uh it was the largest win margin since 2009 when valerie jenkins uh won by i actually don't have this in front of me but like 12 or 14 strokes i forget the number i'm sorry guys but uh kristen star wins by eight strokes uh she does have the highest event rating of all time at worlds in fpo uh rounded to a thousand and one uh she was the early favorite was looking great got a little close in round three but uh she kind of put her foot back on the gas and had i think a five stroke lead into the final round and uh she did not disappoint the final round looked phenomenal all round and pretty much cakewalk to that victory um over on the npo side we're having them on later but paul Macbeth gets number six uh and it was technically a it was technically a comeback three stroke uh comeback in the final round which is the largest final round comeback ever in worlds uh, the second highest was Paul McBeth at two strokes in 2014. That also went to a playoff against Ricky Wysocki. That one went seven holes. This one only went one hole it took for Paul to take down Aaron Gossage, who had a phenomenal weekend. Uh, Aaron didn't stick the island on hole 16. Paul did, and uh, he was able to tap in number six. A huge moment for Paul um, and just a, a fantastic final round. And, and not to overshadow Aaron Gossage, who... Uh, I really thought he was going to win going to that final round. Three-stroke lead, even against Macbeth. He was looking phenomenal. He was throwing backhand, forehand, whatever he wanted on any hole, and just precision. It seemed like the the moment got to him a little bit. He was he was not making those big putts that uh that he was all weekend. I mean, notably on hole 17, uh, Paul Macbeth hit I think like a 70 footer. Uh, and Gossage didn't have the best approach, had to go for about a 50 footer and just airballed it, uh, came back and had a great hole in 18 to force the playoff. But then again, like I said, didn't make the, the Island in the playoff hole. Um, but still a fantastic weekend. He had Aaron Gossage had two bogeys all weekend and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not counting the playoff one. He never <laughs> finished that hole. It's out of regulation. Uh, two bogeys all weekend. They were both on Jones Supreme hole one. He didn't bogey a single other hole all weekend. Uh, he birdied uh, many more, uh, and so he was phenomenal. Uh, hats off to Aaron Gossage. Yeah, right. it was insane to watch in person. 
Yeah, so behind the scenes here, just a little bit, I apologize if I missed something. I had to actually get up from my seat, Evan, walk around to where you usually sit, and I had to <laughs> plug something into my computer physically because people were saying our audio for me was only coming out a certain channel. I think we fixed it. But yeah, I'm assuming we talked about the basics of the recap. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump over to the leaderboard. Nick, if I say the name Tristan Tanner, what comes to mind for just Tristan Tanner in general? A bomber, latitude 64. Um, can the dude can crush a dick? Excuse me. Jeez. Easy, God, easy. Slow Terry, down, Terry can, Miller. Yeah. No. Sorry. That's you know that's just how wiped I am. He can crush a disc, um, just as far as anyone, if not further than most people. Um, one of the biggest things when I yeah, put the fire thing around me, nice. Um, one of the things that kind of like really caught me off surprise was. Um, you know, Tristan and I both started out in the B pool and it was a little windy day one. Wasn't too, too bad. I played like crap, shot like two over or something like that. Was really disappointed in it. And um, Tristan Tanner pops off like a 13 down in the freaking B pool. He's winning by six strokes in the B pool. Like he's technically winning the tournament at the moment. It was pretty insane. Um, and it brought me right back to, uh, I think it was 2020 Vegas where he got top three or top four, I think at the Vegas tournament the year. I think it was just a glorified A tier. I don't think it was a Silver Series or DGPT event that year. But um, these are two courses that really honestly just fit his game. And so he rose to the occasion and he played absolutely incredible on them. Absolutely. So Tristan Tanner's a name tied for third. Chris Clemens. My reaction to Chris is that I've known him for a, well, quite a while because you know uh, Steve e Economos, right? Up here in New mm -hmm. England. Um. Steve played on like a lead card at Am Worlds with Chris Clemens. So he's been around quite a while. I want to say that's back eight, 10 years ago or whatever. So Chris, that was 2013. Yeah. So close to 10 years. And yeah. he's been playing like he plays well. His lefty forehand is so nasty. And then to come out and place tied for third at Worlds, everything mm -hmm. was feeling good for him, I'm sure. I mean, um, Evan, what you gave us a lot of stats here. What do you see that's notable about Chris Clemens? Yeah, well, so Clemens had a great finish. Bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's a nice payday. Uh, Clemens has been great at USDGC in the past. Of course, uh, being a lefty and that being known as a, a righty forehand friendly or a lefty backhand friendly course. Uh, so Chris Clemens has been good there. Finished 12th at Worlds in 2019. So this is his new best finish at third. Kind of blows that away. And that's better than any USDGC finish he had. Uh, so I, definitely a monumental uh placing for Chris Clemens like something we've kind of seen before but this is the best of any that we've seen from him yeah absolutely Chris Clemens surprised uh performance here in my and not surprised all of these players can do it I don't want to put it that way but like impressive right so all right uh Anthony Barella this guy it's his sky his limit is how I'm thinking of this his limit seems so high with his skill level he's still young is he the next, I say this about like Gann and Burr and others, but like Anthony Burrell is already doing it. Is he going to keep getting better? Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, Nick, what do you think? Anth oh, Nick was on a phone call. <laughs> Sorry about that. We're all over tonight. That's okay, Nick. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Barella. What about that guy? Oh, funny enough, I was just talking about him. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, funny go ahead. Enough. No, I'm just saying, like, what do you think? Anthony Barella at Worlds this year. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, if... AB absolutely murders the disc when it comes to power yeah. forehand and backhand. Um, his putting, I think, over the last few weeks has also gotten a lot better. Um, I think a couple, like he's just someone who's prone to making that little mistake 
when you shouldn't be making that mistake. Like Aaron Gossage this week just really didn't make any mistakes. AB is one of those players where like he'll go to over crush something and turn it over just that amount that he didn't need to. And then it turns into mistakes. But I mean, a top 10 finish for him is pretty incredible, you know, because I know he plays, you know, pretty well here usually um, just because of the way the courses are set up. But that was huge for him. His event best finish, if I'm looking correctly at the stat Mando charts here, is 26th prior to this. So a seventh place finish is awesome for him. Yeah. And uh, shooting, he's shooting above his rating for sure. Anything else stand it's, out to you, Evan? Well, let me, let me yeah. butt in really quick. It's tough to talk about previous events at this event. True. Um, True, it rotates. When you look at the DDO mm -hmm. this year, they were playing in, from what people have been telling me, consistent 25 to 40 mile per hour wins. Like those big banner things that they have for ad sponsorships, they said they were practically falling over and coming out of the ground. This event, I don't think we got above 15 miles per hour mm. the whole time. Mm -hmm. And like even that, I honestly <clears throat> think is pushing it. I think day one and day five may have been the windiest ones with like two, three, and four realistically not being that windy at all. Like for me, they definitely were not that windy, and I, I absolutely hate the wind. Absolutely. Anything else stand yeah. out to you about Barella, or did we nail it, Evan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to comment quickly, that 26 is his best world's finish in his history, which, I mean, also the next point is windy compared to not windy is the same as uh, a new course completely. Uh, so um, the course has obviously changed from year to year at worlds. But uh, yeah, Anthony Brella, I mean, I, I did have him in my podium as a kind yes, of crazy did. wild horse, not to toot my own horn, but he finishes seventh and he was looking destined for the, destined for the podium until he kind of had a poor final round i believe um was looking really good and then just kind of was out of it and i think mm -hmm. it got to him a little bit but he, he looks fantastic he was in I, I believe in school for a while as like we've always been talking about in the last couple of years as a young up-and-comer um but you have to wonder how much he was prioritizing disc golf i mean kind of like isaac robinson who popped on uh earlier this year and won idlewild uh ab now that he's maybe focusing on disc golf more i would assume uh being out of school uh he definitely has the distance uh and nick as you're saying his putting's getting better mm -hmm. like i I like he's got to put it together at some point. I, I see him uh, continuing on the trend of at least top tens uh, when it, when everything's on his game. How about the name Paul McBeth? No, I'm kidding. Not Paul McBeth. I do. I do want to mention this because our show has Paul McBeth in the title as an interview, and this will be his first live interview following tournament days completion. As far as I understand it and Paul McBeth, we've lined him up. He will be on for those who are wondering, they want to check out and come back or whatever. They're here for the interview in about, it's probably about 45 minutes. And you're like, wow, podcasts last that long. Yeah, the Nick and Matt show, we do it. So eight, do. eight o'clock or so, Paul will be yeah. on. But we're going to be talking about really interesting things that Stat Mando brings, topics that happened at Worlds uh, that we think are notable and worth talking about. Here's a name for you, Nate Sexton. This guy, I looked it up and I did my own little stat. Oh, maybe you have this, Stat Mando. This is his third consecutive worlds that he's placed inside the top 10 that to me is really impressive for somebody who's not uh, since covid even like really touring hard but he's keeping his game at least at worlds uh to be able to finish strong or play strong um what does that tell you about nate sexton's game nick like he can show up at worlds at courses that are bomber mm -hmm. courses the whole nine yards and still place top 10 three years in a row Mm -hmm. yeah i think kind of looking at his page right now you're looking at like he's not having an incredible year he's only got one top 10 outside of this tournament and that was at portland open but you look at 37th at vegas 25th at texas states like those are pretty open courses as well i know texas states isn't as much but like vegas is a very open course and nate prior to the tournament was talking about how 
these courses are just bomber fest like accurate bomber fest and nate's not the furthest thrower in the world but one of the things that it's just safe sexton you know he's just usually playing safe he hits putts he rarely makes big mistakes and i i could bet if you go through his whole scores throughout the whole tournament he probably didn't double bogey more than one hole if that so someone who just consistently plays safe and still has good distance nate will say he doesn't have like elite level distance but he has good enough distance to make his game really work and you know we've seen it work at courses like uscgc or ledgestone uh, back when it was all eureka so i've he learned, makes it work at big events i've learned so much from nate sexton and obviously i'm not a professional disc golfer but like when i go out to try to improve my game he always says throw the shots that you like you have in your bag like as in don't try to manufacture something you're not good at play to your strengths he always says and where is that strength mark for you play to that don't try to play outside yourself and i've learned that that's why i'll throw a comet shot to a landing zone as opposed to trying to reach mm -hmm. something extremely far outside where i might get it and I think that's what he demonstrates over and over that after especially five round tournament, if he plays that way, like he averages so high. And I think he's just done that now three years in a row, minus the COVID year. Obviously, nobody did. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. OK, what about the name Eric Oakley? This one to me was like I it put a smile on my face. I was surprised and smiled and said, wow, good for him. So, like, what do you think, Evan, Eric Oakley? Well, he's a name that as the tour has gotten more full of fantastic players that we've kind of talked about him less and less each year. Um, but he did have a good showing at Sula. He went over to Europe, uh, made a name for himself, and we got to hear about him again. He was playing great out there. Uh, but to come back and do it at Worlds, I think a huge, huge boost to him. He's a guy who's been grinding. He, I think he's played more Disc Golf Pro Tour events than maybe anyone. There's maybe one or two players that have played more. Uh, he, he just grinds all season long. And uh, getting this is just the confidence that when you're grinding for so long and maybe things you're not getting those top 10, top 20 finishes, it can be tough. Uh, but this one's going to fuel him, and that's going to be awesome to see, uh, especially him being a guy who – is outside of the cut, I believe, for a few of the postseason events, maybe MVP, I think, sitting outside the cut for MVP and looking outside for the Tour Championship, uh, at least before World. So now this big finish, that just he's got he's got to be feeling good. It's a huge uh, huge win for him, even though it was a top twenty finish. All right, Nick Chandler Kramer. The name Chandler Kramer came up at the European Open. The guy yeah. pushed and pushed Paul Macbeth, and he comes out mm -hmm. to Worlds. This is his first Worlds ever, right, Evan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And he comes out and he gets a, a tied for 20th. What do you think about Chandler Kramer? Does this tell us anything about him that maybe we weren't sure of before? I, I think as we've talked about him more and more and we saw how in Europe, how, um, excuse me, precise he is with throwing the forehand. I think these courses just really set up for his game in that regards. There are a couple holes that don't set up for it perfectly. Um, but there are plenty of holes on each course that just really favor and love that turnover backhand or that solid 400 plus foot um, distance forehand. And so we've seen the consistency coming at him over the last few tournaments. So him to be able to come out, make the putter work, put the shots inside circle two, circle one. You know, if you're in circle two every single time, it's usually, you know, for how like less amount of the wind that we had out there it's easy to get up and down for pars the only time you're bogeying is if you go out of bounds and for a lot of these players um that can just shape the shot so much better they don't go as out of bounds as much as you would think you know as much as like people like us four would do and um <laughs> speak so, for yourself i'd do it more yeah. than you <laughs> so seeing chandler it's it's great for him i think it's awesome first world championships that's pretty incredible um and 
that top 20 i think it was top 20 right yeah tied for 20 yeah 20th yeah tied for 20th place i mean that's an awesome confidence boost going into the end of the year as well it's it's crazy we talk about going into the end of the year and we still have some of the greatest yeah. tournaments happening gmc mvp pro tour championships USDC. USC, yeah exactly i mean still an insanely incredible last part of the year so absolutely and these last two names in mpo that we're going to talk about tonight uh well i mean we, we I can keep the floor open, but our plan right now at this point is James Conrad. So you mentioned strong forehand, power forehand players seem to have a, I don't know if we'd call it an advantage, but a, a smaller uh, advantage maybe. I, again, I don't know how you want to say it, mm -hmm. but James doesn't have a forehand that he likes to throw. I've seen oh. him do it. It's it's get out of jail. I'm sure it's better than mine, even when he does do it well. Um, but tied for 38 for our previous reigning world champion tells you something and the biggest thing that stands out to me is the course type. And that's why Worlds is so interesting with the rotating events that it is, because last year the fort allowed mm -hmm. him to be able to keep up in, in the sense of throwing his putters the way that he does, the best in the world, through tight wooded fairways, um, throwing it in, obviously, his putter to push a playoff in last year's World Championship. But to see him tied for 38th, here's something that we said, and I hate to rail on this, but it's worth noting he did not win an event at all last year. He won the world championships. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What a time to do it. And he has not won any event since then. I just want to yeah. put it out there. It's really interesting how disc golf works. He's an elite player. The world championships are its own unique thing at this point. They rotate. We see different course layouts, uh, golf courses included. Um, but with that name also, and I'll let you react to the James Conrad if you like to, but I feel like not more importantly, but Eagle McMahon, what an interesting tour he's decided to have this year, partially due to mm -hmm. injury. He comes out to the European Open and absolutely slays it. Only one person, Paul McBeth, able to even keep up and, and have a chance at it. But he ties for 38th here. I heard something about a piece of glass. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I was talking to Eagle during one of the practice days, um, just passing by him. I was playing around with Chris Dickerson and just passed by Eagle. I said, hey, man, how are you liking kind of being a little bit more picky and choosy about your tournaments? He said, oh, it's incredible. I can heal up my body nicely. I feel rejuvenated coming out to events. It puts, you know, maybe a little bit out of pressure to do well because you're playing so few events now that you want to, the ones that you do go out to, you want to be doing really well at them. Um, so there's that added pressure, I think, there. But at the same time, he's excuse me, getting more time off than other pros are right now. Mm -hmm. So for him, I think even, you know, we talk about European Open and he absolutely murdered it, did incredible with very little forehand, mm -hmm. if no forehand at all. I mean, I think just kind of pitching out here and there, he would throw a forehand. But this is a course that, like I've said a couple times already tonight, it does favor having that power accurate forehand. Um, you can get away with not having it. I think you could probably find a player in the top 15, 20 that maybe got away like Gary hmm. Gerthy. Okay. Gary Gerthy doesn't have a solid forehand um, and he got 23rd. Okay. Um, you know, I think it is doable, but I think having that forehand is just a huge step in the right direction for a insight. tournament like this. Yeah. That, you know, I, I think that it just didn't set up for him as well. And then I think when, you know, Eagle's still a young player. And so when he kind of sees the chances of becoming a world champion this year slowly slip away. I was talking to someone and they were like, yeah, he's just throwing dumb shots now. And the whole glass situation, I'm not really sure what happened with that. You know, supposedly he put his hand down in the dirt to try to get some dirt on it and dry it off and cut his hand open. I'm not sure. And I'm okay. not saying that it didn't happen because yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 
pretty sure it did. It was on live but, coverage. Uh, you could hear Eagle yeah. say something along the lines of, I uh, found a piece of glass or something. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so that's our MPO. Well, Evan, do you have any reaction to either James or Eagle on that? Any any other insights well, that you'd like to add? Yeah, I'll add to both, but real quick is, I mean, James finished 10th speaking at BDO earlier this year. Uh, sorry, speaking of James. Eagle, James Conrad Eagle's finished. Eagle's vlogs in the chat, so let's <laughs> say it to his face, Nick. <laughs> we want to know about the glass. No, no. Like, it's interesting, Eagle. We're talking a little bit, and it's fun that you jump in the chat here. It's weird to talk about people to their face, I guess. His but. ears are tingling. He goes, my ears are tingling. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> my ears are tingling. But like no, we were I mean, just saying, just he smashes at European Open, Eagle, we said. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about your interesting schedule because it both allows you to heal and rest up, obviously. That's great. But what does it do? And I'm not talking to you specifically, Eagle, here. I know you're listening. But what does it do for somebody if they – partly due to injury, I get it. But what does it do if you're playing a certain amount, you limit your events, and then that season you come out and you smash one of them, but the others you kind of fall off? What will it do, and is that your intention? I'll ask Eagle if he wants to answer this. Is that your intention for, like, all seasons going forward to really limit and pick and choose only the biggest events? Um, it's just an interesting thought. And we'll have to have you on, Eagle. I yeah. know we've tried to line it up before. We'll do it again. Um, we totally appreciate well, what you're doing for the sport. Well, to continue on Eagle, then, is what I think it, it is if you – are not playing all the events as Eagle has. And of course you got to the point about injury, but it opens yourself up to that scrutiny. So it's another thing you have to overcome in that sense. This kind right. of poor finish at Worlds, poor finish to Eagle standards, of course. I mean, a top 40 at Worlds is still incredible. Uh, but like it opens you, like people are now going to comment like, oh, maybe he should have played, you know, Ledgestone or something right. to, to kind of get the things flowing. It, people are going to say all of this. So it's another barrier to overcome. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not at the top of the the disc, disc golf game. I'm not that level. I don't know what it feels like. To me, I would say playing like at least once a month would be better. But Eagle knows what Eagle thought yeah, he better absolutely. than anyone else. So if that's the best to him, then it's the best to him. And he still might feel the most competent com confident coming into Worlds with two months of rest, knowing he is fully healthy. And that's just what it is. Absolutely. But it is another barrier of media scrutiny, fan scrutiny, you know, every Instagram comment, you know, if he says, hey, like 38th wasn't where I want to finish, all all comments are still going to be like, well, like, it, it could still be you, you weren't playing as much. Okay. And, and that's just something else that happens. Eagle responded. Mm -hmm. He said, it's definitely a luxury. And you guys put a spot on. There's more pressure. So he does feel more pressure here. So. We don't need to belabor this point on Eagle. He was one of our topics of conversation with the MPO results. It, it just imagine with, obviously it sounds so like straightforward. If he had won European Open and then he won Worlds or placed top three, right? And then he went and did it at USDGC and won or placed top three. Like, and those were the events he chose to play uh, or, or maybe one other or two others, right? You would be like, hot fire season he picks and chooses plays four or five six events and like that's all he has to do because he's placing well how long could you do it where you weren't placing well before you needed to restart that tour again to be fully involved in all the events that's for us to speculate about eagle we totally support you can't uh can't wait to see you out here at some point again as we get into the playoffs um all right so let's move over real quick before we move into fpo there is a product evan you were actually talking to me about it today uh we're gonna have to get you some more what was this product you told me exploded on your move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the, uh, is it the lotion? Am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Um, from the body uh, cream. Botanicals. Muscle it, recovery. Like, I, oh, 
my foot's hurting right now. Uh, just dealing with a foot injury. You know, maybe I need to take two months off like Eagle is uh, to feel good, uh, but can't quit that grind. So uh, need things like this to help me out uh, and to recover well. This muscle recovery, and we always talk about the differences between these, but this one to me, when I, when I apply it, it has, first of all, I think it's, I call it minty. It's like a minty fresh and it has that cooling touch sensation on top of the CBD. Uh, it is just wonderful. I go to it when I have flare ups of tendonitis or if my muscles feel sore, even after yesterday, I weed whacked for hours around my property. I totally felt like I needed some. I went in, found it, the spots that were really sore and sensitive. I used the salve. The spots that just needed the general muscle recovery of aches and pains, I use the the muscle recovery cream. And then I go for my Hempfield Botanical Chapstick, the one that Hannah says I apply like a man. <laughs> Nick, uh, I know you still like that product as well. Hempfield, is it working well for you? It is. I um, I need more of it. I guess that's, that's what, what I'll say about that. <laughs> that's what Evan says. So we're going to order yeah. up more for I the need show. A lot more of it. We're going to order up more for the show and we're going to keep doing that. As we always say, go use code Nick and Matt's on screen. Nick and Matt, hempfieldbotanicals.com. 20% off your order. If you're using something else, make this your next choice for purchase. They're supporting the show. We want to support them. All right, moving in to FPO. But let me give Eagle the time of day here. He's, he said something in the chat. I've always liked playing less events than others in general. I'm a homebody, so I like my R and R. So it, that was what we're saying. Like everybody knows themselves. And for him, it feels like he is gonna say, I know what I need to do. And then one more comment from him here. This year is an off, quote unquote, off year in my mind. That's something I think is important. I wanted to hear that. And I'm glad you said that, Eagle. Um, playing majors is bonus. I'm doing what I can. So I play 15 to 20 big events next year. Wow, okay. I'm doing what oh, okay. I can so I can play 15 to 20. Okay, so there. That, that's a great update, Eagle. Thank you very much. In fact, if if at any point you want to get on the show, you just send me a message or, or we'll get you on. We'll send you a link. You can be right in the show. All right, let's talk FPO. Nick, or, or actually I was with Nick, I think, last. Hannah, Hannah Blumruz, Evan, what do you think? Second place, Hannah Blumruz. I mean, this is huge for her. Uh, she's had numerous uh, podium finishes at majors before, but they've all been in Europe. To do this one in the U.S., uh, her best uh, U.S. major finish ever is incredible. That being said, like she could have easily have won this uh, as great as Kristen Tatar play. Hena was way better off the tee and just driving in general. It all came down to putting, and while Kristen <laughs> nailed her putts, Henna really struggled, especially late down the stretch. She had a few just where you're like, oh my goodness, like I just feel so bad right now. It was like a 10-foot miss. She goes 10 feet long and then misses that one too. And it's just, it, it was tough to watch because she is so good off the tee. And this is almost exactly what we've been saying about Evelina all year. Um, but that being said, she still got a second place finish, which is still incredible. I mean, Pete's the likes of Paige Pierce, uh, Katrina Allen, Valerie Mandohana, who's been having an incredible year, like had a looked a class above them all uh, this past week. Okay. I've had the, the privilege of filming and assisting Terry Miller on the disc golf pro tour back before all these camera crews were lined up. And I filmed henna and Evelina at, um, uh, Las Vegas challenge and wild horse course and man i remember that was my first exposure to watching henna throw and i was literally in awe i would say impressed but it's not hard to impress me she's way better than me but i was in awe just of her her strength controlled throw evelina's on, on a different level with her strength throw but henna was keeping up 
and seemed very controlled with her throws. Hannah Blomroos, I feel like you deserve to be here a lot earlier than you are right now. That's my take on it. Uh, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, it was insane to watch. Um, I was fortunate to go out the final day and at least catch the last nine holes of it. Um, and there were spots where I think that added pressure of this is the final round. Kristen's playing incredible right now. And Hannah just missed some putts that you're like, you haven't been missing those all weekend. And now all of a sudden this last round is coming up. Kind of you can maybe equate it to Aaron Gossage, who was hitting those 25, 30 footers all tournament. And then in the final round was just short or just too above the basket on them. Um, so that added pressure, I think, was huge. But I think we've all said it. She absolutely crushes the disc. Um, not as far as Evelina, but I would even say more accurate. And it was it was cool to watch. And then just being able to watch Kristen dominate was great. Right. Absolutely. Um, so talking about Henna, and I want to also move it into more FPO players here. But at the same exact time, we're trying to actually see if we can line Eagle up to hit him in the show real quick. Oh. And now, exclusive. For a Nick <laughs> exclusive. Yeah, we're going to have Eagle on if we Eagle's can. Eagle's coming on. Okay. Your green screen's <laughs> messed up. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Paige Pierce. While we do this, I want you to react to Paige Pierce. Evan, give us the Paige Pierce stats because this is interesting. She usually shows up at Worlds in a bigger way. So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it just it's the first time she's finished outside the top two since 2012. I mean, Paul McBeth, we talk about his similar streak. She had it for almost just as long, but then unfortunately lost it this year. Uh, but fifth is just, a, just, a, just as a disappointment as second to Paige Pierce. She wants that sixth time so badly. And I, I've heard other people say this, and I might agree. She almost wants it too badly. It's She wants it too much. She tries too hard, practices too hard, and then puts all this pressure on her. And it's so hard to live up to the standards of Paige Pierce. Um, she, we saw her kind of make a comeback in round three but then immediately lose it with some bad putts that she was just over-aggressive on, but that's always her MO, and I get it. Um, and then she follows it up with an eagle, but she just... It just it didn't look like normal page this week while Kristen's just calm, cool, and collected, getting all these birdies, maintaining pace. Paige looked like she was just kind of all over the place, trying to do too much, and then having it kind of you know kick her in the butt at the same time. Um, it, I have no doubt six-time will come for Paige Pierce, but... It just doesn't. It doesn't look good right now um, for Worlds. Uh, she was so close last year, of course. She had it, uh, but this year, just it. I don't think it would, ever was a question after after that third round, like middle midway through. You're just like, it's not. It's not this year for her. Okay. Yeah. I. You can't overreact. You can't overreact. But many times during the week. My wife's interested in disc golf. She knows every player's name. She knows it probably better than half of our listening audience. She likes disc golf as a general, like, we're all involved in it. She likes to follow it. And she's like, like, what's up with Paige, right? And I tell her my opinion is that she doesn't play like Nate Sexton. If she did, she would place average higher every event, I think. Uh, you wouldn't have maybe all the wins that she has, which is great, but you're also going to have this fluctuation of her playing uh, super aggressive at times, or maybe the stats don't say she should. Now, that's not her style, just like we talked about each player knowing their own, but I do think for her, it's it's something in the offseason to try to decide if that's what she, like, how does she want to handle it, right? Like, what does she want to do with her game? Do you agree, Nick? What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, she's such an incredible player. I think there's so many added pressures going on in her life right now. I think with the documentary coming out and wanting that to kind of explode in the way that she would want it to, 
um, to it's, you know, once again, trying to get that sixth world title, which literally puts her above everyone else in the FPO division. I think there's so many added pressures right now that, you know, kind of in the same way where it's like, why are you making? So, yeah, so I was going to say, Ben, you're on the wrong screen. <laughs> we, we brought in Eagle, everybody. It was yeah. a little surprise guest. There. <laughs> That's so funny. We got to tell our guests that we won't do that to them next time. But Eagle, w welcome to the show. Can you hear us okay? Awesome. So All right, so now we got to say all the nice things, guys. Yeah, all the nice things. <laughs> Nick and Matt are live right now. Let's see what they're talking about. And then I hear my name. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Perfect okay. timing. So we, nice, we, cut, timing. we cut off the first five seconds of your audio, but we just fixed it for everybody. So you, you'd heard us talking about you somehow, some way. It's the way the world works. And here we are. So what's first of all, what's that like, Eagle? What's that like to be the place where you tune into a show and people are talking about you? Oh, gosh, I don't even really know what to say. I, can, I, I guess you can just say it's different than most people <laughs> it's different yeah um, yeah I've, I've had the privilege of hanging out with your buddy simon often enough and it's fun to just get like just feel it out and be like you guys are normal people but you get an unnormal life and that's just the way it is right now you've done some pretty spectacular things so we didn't have any questions lined up for you but you made it into our <laughs> list of mpo players to talk about and you were tied for 38th i know i'm assuming i'm presuming you're not happy with tied for 38th i'm sure um <laughs> So what was it about this event that didn't go your way? I don't really know, honestly. Okay. Um, I mean, I do know, and I've kind of, I'm trying to digest this whole experience and figure out what I did wrong, where, where are my faults in my mindset, my preparation. And I felt pretty confident, honestly, to start. I, I was on lead card leading the event after round one and uh you know round two wasn't too too good but you know I, I managed i was still in the top 10. um it wasn't until round three where i really hit some turbulence uh, i was uh after four holes i was three under got three in a row and i was just like okay you know i'm making my way through this tournament and i'm starting to you know rally a bit i rub my hand in the dirt to dry it off because it's like 90 degrees it's hot and i wanted a better grip and uh I, I nicked my finger on a piece of glass and uh, it started bleeding everywhere. And uh, it really wasn't that bad of a cut, but I had to line up my tee shot. I had like the 30 seconds in my mind and uh, I was trying to get it to clot. I had super glue. I didn't have sports tape. So it was just a whole whirlwind that, you know, threw me off my game. I, I missed an easy putt that I'd expect to make to go, you know, four for four. And, uh, I, I bogeyed the next hole. So like my whole mindset really mm -hmm. got thrown off there. I was playing with tape on my finger the rest of the round. I just kind of hit a wall, so to speak. And uh, after that round, I dropped uh, pretty significantly. I think it went down to like 20th place. And um, I've had this weird uh, pattern at Worlds for the last couple of years where it's usually around round three. Like I get off to a whatever start and uh, just not not really going my way. I mean, always like 10 strokes back after round three and you know, you're not out of it there, but mm -hmm. you just know how much work it's going to take and how everything has to fall in place. Mm -hmm. And, um, previous years I've 
was I had the determination to fight myself back to the top 10. And, you know, it was just a very familiar feeling. And I hate to say that I kind of gave up, but, you know, I, I definitely lost a lot of my, um, my focus and my fortitude definitely slipped away from me. And, you know, it's not something I'm proud to say, um, but, you know, I, I take responsibility for that. I could have uh, focused more, you know, uh, made better shots. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it just, I, I'm, it wasn't the best effort for me to it, tell you the honest truth. Interesting, interesting thing brought in the chat here. Maybe just a quick reaction to it is, does the pro tour have opportunities for like an injury timeout view? Have you heard anything about that? Like if you were to roll your ankle, how long do you get before they start stroking you? Um, that's a great question. I, I probably should know the rules better. Than I don't know I if do there is a like rule the, for that. If anybody knows yeah. that, let us know. But I mean, if you cut your hand significantly, I know you said it's small, but let's just say you had a large laceration. Like, do you get a timeout? I think that's something that's interesting to consider. I, the one thing that was brought up, like, after my finger was taped yeah. up, they said yeah. that like I could have took like five minutes as like a, you know, a, an injury timeout. Oh, interesting. So um, but I, I had no awareness of a rule like that, mm -hmm. you know, cause I definitely would yeah. have utilized that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's definitely some knowledge that I should <laughs> seek out in the future because yeah. it could definitely save you some, some, some struggle, but I'm you know, like, yeah, but like, you know, cutting my hand, uh, I got a lot of people send me messages, like asking how it was, yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't that, it wasn't that bad, but right. it was the more mental impact. And, you know, I take full responsibility for it. Like, you know, while it is unfortunate, you can even say it's unlucky. You know, I could check the dirt and make sure that there's no glass right. in it. I could, I could, ha you know, have a new whale sack. I could have a bag of dirt from Colorado. So like mm -hmm. things like that are avoidable. So like, you know, being a, a top level player, being, you know, for the sake of the conversation, a world champion requires optimizing each and every situation. And, uh, you know, it's always a reminder when you play bad, you it's easier to take lessons from uh, not performing uh, optimally to uh, apply them later on. So, you know, that that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I commented early on this. This is uh, a, a, an R&R &R year. You know, I, I'm still dealing with an injury while I, I got through the whole tournament throwing backhand. Um, you know, I, I, it would be nice to have that forehand, mm -hmm. you know, when the, when the backhand's firing on all cylinders, you know, I, I feel like I am just as good, but when you having a forehand definitely takes some of the pressure off of always having to throw these silky smooth shots. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the goal is to train the lefty more, get the forehand back, have the, have the whole package again. It just, uh, it just takes some time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, someone mentioned you could just go to the bathroom and as long as it's reasonable, <laughs> reasonable amount of time. Um, yeah. But I want to also say, and I'm sure Nick has a question or two for you. I also want to say, like, you haven't been on the show since your European Open. We tried. You were on vacation. That's cool. We want to respect mm -hmm. that. I want to say you're on here talking about, oh, you know, my poor play. But, like, the reality is, Eagle, you came out in a way this year that we haven't seen in a long time from anybody. It was, it was epic that Paul was even trying to keep up. I mean, there was a lot going on there. And I just want to say congratulations for the European Open win. That was oh, fantastic. What a great show that was. I mean, literally great, epic. I'm on a couple different disc golf shows, and that's all we could talk about, how amazing <laughs> that performance was. So I want to get that out there for sure. Um, all right. Well, what's your plan? I, I saw in the chat there, and we read it off. Like, for this year, you said you feel it's kind of an off year. Next year, you're planning to tour fully. Or is that kind of what your hope is? Yeah, you know, I'll definitely – I might pick and choose some events. It really – depends on how good I'm feeling in the off season. 
Um, you know, my shoulder is feeling leaps and bounds better than it has in a long time. But, you know, it's still, you know, I still got to train it. I still got to get it evaluated. Um, so after USCGC, I want to make sure I'm taking all the right precautions, working with professionals right. um, to, to get to get back out there. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed, I want to play 15 to 20 big events, you know, have a try and be a, in the top eight of the elite series, um, the disc golf pro tour again, you know, just the, mm-hmm. the standard, the standard year. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping to get back to in 2023. Hole one Jones, hole one Jones. Is that the right place for an Island hole to start out a tournament round like that, where you choose to lay up and it's super unexciting for everybody? Or should we put that somewhere else in the course? What do you think? I definitely think that's a, it seems like 17, you know, 17 is a good number for an island hole. Okay. 16 or 16 or 17 coming okay. down the stretch because, you know, yeah. it, it definitely creates some some drama. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think start starting off, I think uh, it's a, you don't want to have to yeah. lay up to start your round. It's we're going to we're going to talk about fun. that later. But I just wanted your quick opinion. Nick, you got anything for <laughs> Eagle before we let him go? No, I was, you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. I was I guess the only thing that I would talk about is what do you think of the courses this year in general? Um, being a world championship caliper event, um, what do you think of the courses just in general? You know, it, running worlds is uh, a major endeavor for whoever does it. And, um, you know, my personal opinion on the courses themselves, you know, they, they could be looked at as a little lackluster. Um, you can say uh, Jones and, and Country Club don't provide that much um, contrast from one another. But I think more importantly, you have to say, look at Emporia for the um, infrastructure and DD as a um, some uh, an ent- entity to run a big event, and they are more than enough uh, qualified. So you know, I think it was a good world. Um, you know, in the future, you know, I definitely want to see some more challenging, versatile, more versatile courses. Um, but I think um, you know, when it comes down to uh, you know a venue um, in town to host it, you know, Emporia is really good Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah so um i didn't look at the recent stats but i'm pretty sure you're making it into the playoffs what do you think about that you're looking forward to it is a different thing for you like what's your goal there to make the finale i'm sure the play uh oh the disc golf pro tour finale i was i was talking to my friend or i was talking to joey tamale actually and he said that i was in like 40th place and uh i don't think that qualifies me evan stat mando get on that is, <laughs> yeah is Eagle, eagles eagles sitting in 40th so as of now he would have a spot in both gmc and mvp i'm assuming you're uh, going to skip those yeah uh, but those would launch you up more but i believe don't i, I don't want to be quoted on this but i believe <laughs> since you won a tour event uh being european open that you do have an automatic bid as a play-in to the pro tour championship so that's kind of like the, the almost like a qualifier beforehand. Oh. I'm, I'm not sure the exact terms. I need to review it a little bit more. So uh, people are going to say, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. But it's something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, I, I am completely unaware of that. I'll definitely look into it because uh, I'm I'm going to be looking to book my uh, USDGC yeah. trip soon. And uh, knowing that might make uh, my trip a little bit longer. So we will see. What if we told you that it's not happening at Hornet's Nest? Did you know that? 
I heard that somewhere, okay. but I haven't heard where else it's going to be. Yeah. They, we may know where it's going to be. They just haven't released it yet. We, we might know where it's going to be, too, Nick, oh. if I start feeding out some things like looking at All Nevins, right. maybe. Is that a course down in Charlotte? Nevins? Anybody know? Okay. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I know they haven't released it yet, but they didn't say I couldn't. I have sources, people. I have sources. But um, Eagle. If you're not making it around to New England this year, then I won't see you here, but it's possible we catch up another time. It's great having you swing into the show like this. Uh, I'm sure we could talk for hours, but we're going to let you go because you were the pre-show tonight, and I say that with all, <laughs> I say that with all graciousness to how great you are. But <laughs> yeah. Paul McBeth is hey. lined up and ready to go here in a little bit. So, what Matt, you, if you have a quick second, let me just read this. So for the, uh, the, quali- uh, the play-in event that's right before the Tour Championship, um, it's for the 31st and 32nd seed in MPO, but it's also has four reserve spots for any player who won a uh, DGPT Elite Series or uh, PDGA Professional Major, but did not qualify based on points. Oh snap! So, so oh, Eagle, gosh. you would at least, at the minimum, have a chance for the play-in. Um, I, I'm not sure the exact. Uh, I believe it. the play-in is the top four players uh, would then get into like, essentially the top 32, and then that would be the 17th place to 32nd would play in that first round and then the top four of that would go on in so on. oh boy well, well, okay I'll, I'll look into it i gotta, <laughs> I gotta take in a lot of it there was a jomez and... practice round where you said stat mando get on it and we made a little meme about it for evan here and i think it's starting to go around for the stat mando fan so that was cool of you Ooh. i don't remember what the stat was specifically evan did you get that stat for Oh, 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 man. I, I got to dig through because okay. we did get it. Uh, yeah, we were we were trying to figure out exactly how Germ got to those numbers because I don't think we gave him that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was someone that you would surprise who was in, like, the top 10. Uh, right. What was it? Most cash per event. But I don't have it in front of me, okay. so I'm sorry. But sorry we can to get to that to you if you need it. Next show. Stat right. Mando, get on it. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great having you, Eagle. Totally appreciate it. The platform's yours. Do you have anything you want to sell or do right now? Because you can um i i don't have okay. anything to sell i don't but th- thank you for having me on awesome. thank you for joining us we really awesome. appreciate it all right man we'll talk to you later Bye. all right have a good one guys Later. Peace. Everybody, Eagle McMahon. Wow, it's oh, fun man. when we can line people up like that. Sorry to put you on you the spot, Evan. You have anything to sell, Matt? Like, yeah, I, don't know. I just was, wanted to ask. I, no, of course. That's great to to leave that open to him. It's just funny. I'm I'm I laughing agree. at it. I agree. He's yeah. like he's rubbing his hands. Uh, I'm thinking, dude, just like pick up your shirt off. We'll just start an auction in the live chat right now. So <laughs> <laughs> all all funds go to support like whatever the Paul Macbeth Foundation. Eagle doesn't have a foundation <clears throat> that I'm aware of. So maybe one day. Nope. That there was is good Eagle's to hear from wings, Eagle. Right? Absolutely. What was that? I said there is Eagles Wings, right? I believe that's a foundation, that's not, not affiliated it, with yeah, Eagle. It's a good foundation, yeah. Eagles Wings. Um, all right, we're getting really close. The live chat has built up currently. We're up about 550 people in the chat right now, which is great. Keep the comments coming. We are about mm, 10 minutes or so out from Paul McBeth joining the show. Uh, so until he does, uh, we would actually like to talk about something that happened last week on the show, which was, tot- Nick, you weren't here. I was going to say, I'm like, wait, I don't think I was there. I have to preface this by saying this, Nick, how things happen. Because last week I was extremely embarrassed for a few reasons. People say I played it off. Great, Matt, professional job, the whole thing. We line up advertisements here. People find our platform surprisingly worth sharing on, which is great because all of you listen and they and you guys respond to these ads. 
you go and check them out and you trust us. And so that's why we only share what we believe in. Uh, trydiscs.com is a website that I found fantastic and totally worth checking out because it does things like help you find a disc that's more appropriate for you or in the same line of like if I throw comets I can find a list of 20 or 30 or 50 other discs that are like the comet maybe a different brand something else I want to try in a different plastic but flies similar um, they find coupon codes for you for retailers that you don't have to go find coupon codes for uh, one other cool feature is like I can type in a disc and it will look at 170 plus retailers around the world and it will tell me where that disc is in stock so I do not have to visit each retailer. But last week, Nick, mm -hmm. I'm doing this whole awesome talk about how I believe in this product <laughs> and we're going to bring in the genius behind this website. Tyler. And Nick, <laughs> I bring in the wrong person. And the person was somebody who interviewed me on a podcast previously in the week. Yeah. And so he's there and he smiles and he's like, I think there's a mistake. Like, I have nothing to do with that website. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, it was just super embarrassing the way that that happens, just to put yeah. it out there. Has anybody ever sent a text incorrectly to somebody because you're having multiple conversations? I've done it once or twice. Uh, it's, it can be embarrassing or it can just be, hey, sorry, wrong text. Like, I think I've done it to Simon before. I'm like, hey, what are you having for dinner? But I meant mm -hmm. to send that to, like, my wife, right? And Simon's yeah. like, I don't know, spaghetti or something. And I'm like, oh, I keep ta talking like it's my wife because he responded normally. That's what happened with this ad placement and what we lined up for the guest, the owner of TriDisc, to come in. That's what happened. And somehow, some way, the person I was texting played into their brain that this was also for them. So that's how mm -hmm. they showed up. It was really gotcha. weird and awkward. But it worked out, and he was a good sport. Again, that was Disco Fever. You can check out the interview I did with him. But nice. tonight, try Disc. Nick, if you haven't checked out this website yet, mm -hmm. Ben loves it. Evan loves it. I've used it. You've it. been really busy. We're going to let you hear more about it because we have lined up for real this time. <laughs> for real. All right? We've got Azeem Faraz in our green room. But let's bring him in right now. Let's ask him a little bit about TryDisc.com. So welcome to the show, Azeem. It is Azeem. It is Azeem. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for being awesome. On. Absolutely. Yeah. So, where did this idea come from for Tri Discs? Yeah, so the idea really came about because I got back into the game in 2019. I played a long time ago in high school, late 2000s, and the game was a lot different then. And when I started to pick it back up, there were so many discs, so many manufacturers, so many molds to decide between that it was a little overwhelming. And so I thought it would be helpful to have a tool where you could look for similar discs, search by flight numbers, and look for something that might suit you. I mean, ideally, I think we'd all agree that it'd be perfect if you had a big open field. You could try to throw all the discs and see what they do for you, but without having that luxury to have some sort of research tool that can help you kind of get you in the right ballpark, at least, mm -hmm. for what you might want to try. Absolutely. So I mentioned a few things right before we brought you on. I think you heard some of them that I, I mentioned. Is there any tool that you're proud about or most proud about or just did I miss any that you think should be highlighted? No, I mean, I'm really proud about the disc finder tool because we search 171 different retailers right now. And it wasn't something that I originally was even focused on. But I've heard from so many small stores that have been like, hey, thank you so much for sending folks our way. Um, I think it's helped a lot of local small mom and pop shops who can't necessarily show up on nice. Google potentially, or they don't have a bunch of money to spend on Pro Tour mm -hmm. advertising. 
so we can kind of share them with some of our absolutely and what's interesting here is we're not even telling our fans and listeners to go purchase a product this is all free it's not a subscription they don't get usernames and logins it's a tool that is totally accessible to you right now. And I know people tr searched it out last week. Uh, and in fact, you can find the link inside of our description here for the podcast, both YouTube Live right now, and well as our post podcast platforms. People in the chat right now, Azim, are saying that they actually used it last week after they heard it on the interview and they purchased themselves a new disc. It is a tool that works. We recommend people go over there. Uh, do you have any future goals or ideas or innovation, or are we pretty much just going to refine what's there currently? So I have a lot of uh, <laughs> ideas and stuff in the works. I don't know how much exclusive. I can share Maybe on a future interview, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's okay. a lot of new tools and a lot of ideas that are in the works and uh, hope to be coming out with those. All next year. right. So when the Athena, which has been approved by the PDGA, Paul Macbeth's new disc, which we're going to actually mm -hmm. ask him about later. When the Athena is officially, maybe it is already rolled out, they can use this tool to find everywhere where it's in stock at retailers, correct? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything we missed, or we did we cover all the bases for now? Right. No, I think you covered it really well. I appreciate nice. you having me on. and, and Absolutely. And so we're going to continue to talk about this product because we believe in it. We think people should go check it out. In fact... One of the best ways for you as a show, as listeners to support this product is to use the link inside of our description. It directly tells them that they came for us. We get nothing for this. It's just a way to track the traffic that the Nick and Matt show is bringing. That being said, he will also look to see if we get any booster spikes, you know, throughout the week because of these <laughs> conversations we're having. But if you use the link, it'd be really helpful. But all that aside, we want you to get a good product. And that is one way to do it through trydisc.com. So thanks for coming on, Azim. I'm glad it worked out this time and you are the yeah, Azim thanks. and we'll have you on again someday to talk about new uh, innovation that you're doing there. Appreciate your time. All right. Well, thanks, Azim. Have guys. a good evening. Yeah. What a cool idea. I think the disc finder idea of that is incredible. Like if I wasn't a sponsored player, being able to not have to search, you know, resistance discs, foundation, exactly. infinite discs, Marshall street, disc golf.com, like not being like not having to do all that is insane. So uh, what a cool idea. Definitely very, very cool and unique in the disc golf world right now. Okay. I don't know if it's actually true. Someone yeah, in the so chat said crashed the site. It's taking a while to load. I'm trying it. <laughs> Nick and Master <laughs> crashed it. Baby. Everyone oh, crashed the site. Nice. Try to do your best. If it's true, I'm really <laughs> proud of our show. But we'll have to spread it out next time so he can grow. It's like lagging yeah. like a lot. That's actually <laughs> good and funny. But Azim, we crashed the show. I hope that, I mean, we crashed the, the website. I hope that's good for you. So that's how it happened last year, uh, last week. It was pretty funny. I'm glad we got to talk about it. People used it again. Do it again. We're glad to have them on our show. We love that. Our, <laughs> they did. Everyone's saying it crashed it. Um, that's so funny. So, so anyways, I, I bring up something, Nick, like I said, like special releases and Ben mentioned this last week. So a special release drops on somebody's disc, right? And mm -hmm. you're a few hours too late. But there's the possibility and the opportunity to be like, I'm going to use this tool and maybe there'll be like a retailer out there that has a couple left, right? And it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And the coupon but, codes, it tells you if you buy it yeah, here, you I get like free shipping. So if you buy it here, like it just tells you it's really cool tool. Yeah. Innovation. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So there's the going to be price. some small retailer who has a few left. It just is what That's it what is. I'm saying. Things yeah. move a little and, bit slower with the smaller ones, which is a good thing. More yeah. variety. And the lightweights. So, People are tool. commenting a lot about lighter weight discs that they are able to find, which is less common. So pretty cool. Okay. Nice. 
we're gonna have a lot to get through here, and I do want to do due diligence with we didn't fully grasp all the FPO because a lot of things were happening at once and Eagle got on. So that was 15 minutes of our show we didn't quite plan in there. So let me get back to it quick. We have over 500 in the chat. Paul will be on. They bumped it back and I'm not putting that as a bad thing on them. They're doing a lot to make sure they make it on for this interview, probably another 10 minutes or so. And we will make sure that that happens for you. Evelina Salonen, putting woes, somewhat returned she mentioned it in her social media post what's incredible about that is the fact that her driving is so strong there was very few bogeys but she was putting for so many birdies that she could have had uh i will say a tied for fifth is incredible in spite of seeing missed like you know 12 footers and and all that right that's incredible evelina salonen nick if she puts her putting together and that is a non-issue for her going forward where would you mm -hmm. rank her you think I mean, easily top three, top five. I mean, when Paige's drives are on and her putts on, she's number True. one. When Kristen's drives are on and her putts are on, she's number one. The thing that those two players right. have just so far above Evelina is their putting can be on. Like, it's very rare where we're like, holy crap, you know, Evelina's putting's insane right now because, you know, as we've seen the last, you know, over this past year, she's had the putting yips. Yeah. So, you know, but definitely driving ability-wise, I think she throws – um, like pretty overstable stuff. And I think there are times where she doesn't need to do that. Like I True. think decision-making for a lot of players is still kind of something that they, I think everyone can improve on. Um, but when it comes to something that's just easily to dissect out of her game, it's, it's her putting like her, her putt from 10 feet looks no different than her putt from 30 feet in the sense of like, you know, what's it going to do? Is it going to fall out of her hand? Is she going to grip lock it? Right. Like you kind of like, you don't, you don't make a bet saying like, oh yeah, this putt's going to be dead center. When other players, you can kind of see how they're going throughout the round that, oh, this is what this player's doing, you know? Yeah. Haley King. Haley, oh, Evan, did you have a comment on, on Evelina? I, I was just going to say, her putting was on to start U.S. Women's and she was leading the event. Yep. She was looking like she mm -hmm. was a... I don't want to say lock. I was going that way, but no, she was looking like the favorite to win. Um, and then the putting just started to slowly fall off. And by round four, it was kind of back to what we knew it is this year was. So it is there. It is possible. We see her lead events when it is on or she's just driving good enough to park everything. Uh, it, it just, it, it's, it's tough to watch. I want to see her at her best and she, she could blow everyone out of the water if she is. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what Nick said. I thought that was fantastic. When everyone's playing their best, there's not everybody can be number one, but there is a handful of players yeah. when they are playing their best, they could be number one. And I think Evelina mm -hmm. is in that conversation for sure. Haley King is another one of those. The reason I bring her up, she made it to a tide for ninth, but she wasn't performing all that well throughout the whole course of five rounds. Is she a very similar conversation to Evelina here? What do you think's going on? Is she, I don't think she's happy at some level, but tied for ninth is not what she was looking for evan what do you think well i mean this year has not been what she's looking for in general uh it's just not a lot of finishes that just aren't up to her par uh but ninth at the world championship like i think that's a good finish for her in a normal year uh and especially in this year i mean she tied valmond hondo she beat katrina allen like those are good players to be with she was only a few strokes behind a few other good players like i i think it was good not great Okay. Yeah. Any other thoughts, uh, Nick, on Haley? Uh, I think same thing. She, she's such a great player, yeah. but still has the lackluster tournaments <clears throat> that you normally don't see out of, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the top players all the time. So, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think this was just one of those weekends where it never, she didn't do anything spectacular. She didn't do anything awful. I mean, she still walked away with, I think, a $1,200 paycheck, you know, getting ninth at the <laughs> yeah. World Championship. Which, so it's not yeah. not the worst thing in the world. But I think when it comes to what are her goals and everything like that going into the sport, then, yeah, she's probably pretty disappointed in it. Okay. And then let's talk about Katrina Allen. She said today in a post that this is her first time ever not making it in the top six at a world championship. And I think that was how many years has she been trying world championships? Do we have that number or how long has that been, Evan? Oh, I could pull it up, but okay. it's the least been since like 2011, I think 2012 or 2011 was her first. So, I mean, new, so many years. Okay. Yeah. 2011, she played but, the world. She got fifth place. But, 2010, she did not play world. So yeah, since 2011. I do want to say this, though, just a one spark of confidence to her is this was our 150th straight Elite Series or major event in cash. Uh, that's the longest active streak of anyone. We talk about Nate Sexton's a lot, who's at 112, but 150, like that's a milestone number, first of all. But that's a lot of events. And yeah, 11th is not where Katrina Allen expects to be. It's not where we expect her to be. Um, but at least some note to can take away is she cashed and like that's still a good thing absolutely mm -hmm. okay um and then ella hansen she took down i was, the I was world, just about to bring up ella. Uh, the world championships distance competition as we mm -hmm. talked about last week it's not necessarily a world championship title but it is the the distance comp that happens at the world championship and i don't want to take anything away she went up against the best and the furthest throwers page notably being one of those and ella hansen <clears throat> not uh, i'm not i'm sorry ella hansen able to beat that and i think what was it 474 somewhere up there for somewhere up the high 400s ella threw like 497 okay. or 495 yeah so incredible for her for distance number one she's able to throw down rollers we saw awesome rollers during competition tied for mm -hmm. 12th she's still new to the sport and as far as like being introduced to it goes from ultimate but what do you think she feels about this uh tied for 12th nick I think for how she started the tournament, like there, we were talking about this in our group chat to where like she was killing it and we were all pretty hyped about it because she's someone who, you know, she doesn't have this big win yet. And so I think for how she was playing at the beginning, I kind of, I was actually surprised to see her at 12th place. Like I thought she finished a little bit better than that, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I think all in all it's still, what is this? Her second or maybe third world championships? No, it's her second world championships. So I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, to be honest. She got 11th last year mm -hmm. at Worlds. Mm -hmm. Two different courses. I think the Mulligans course was both shorter um, than Country Club and Jones Park. So, But I think a 12th place finish is is definitely pretty nice. Okay. Yeah. I and Evan, any other thoughts on that? I'm just going to say it does hurt because she was – she was either leading or mm -hmm. top. Like she was, she was up there looking phenomenal, uh, and then she just had a round where she fell off. Um, and coming all the way down to 12th probably hurts because she knew she could have done a lot better. She could have gotten a podium again like she did at U.S. Women's last year. She is capable of that, and just it's hard to put five rounds together. Uh, I'm not worried about Ella one bit. I mean, she's having a phenomenal rise to disc golf, um, and, and she's going to continue to be great. Uh, Matt, I wanted to suggest one more person to talk about that we didn't. Yeah, um, go for it. But Holland Handley in third. I think is the most incredible story coming from this weekend besides Kristen winning her first world championship. Uh, Holland, I think, is like the poster child for an athlete coming into disc golf 
and then excelling. Uh, we, I mean, we just talked about Ella Hansen. She had that ultimate background. Um, and like that you're throwing Frisbees. So like you're, she's used to it. She could, she was known in ultimate for throwing a mile. Um, but Holland Hanley, on the other hand, it was a volleyball player, a weightlifter, um, other sports and she's turned that into being a phenomenal disc golfer she has a good backhand she has a good forehand she's solid on the putting green she's solid in the mental game like she's the complete package already and she's only getting better having a third place in worlds uh again is phenomenal and it's just it shows how good she's gotten so quickly absolutely mm -hmm. all right so we've made it to the end of our fpo list and i'm not going to belabor this point any longer Nick, we've made it to this point where we'd normally be bringing in Paul Macbeth, but it's not actually mm -hmm. going to work out. Oh. Yeah, it's just in general. In general, it's not working out tonight. Um, we had everything set up to do this. This is out of everybody's hands. Everybody. So we watched the concurrent viewers drop drastically. No, yeah. it's out of everybody's hands. And so there's nobody to blame here. It is an IT issue out of the Macbeth residence that will not allow them to join. Um, both by either phone or video at this point. Um, they do have text assistance set up for some time here in the near future. And so we will see what we can do to line but that up. We for do a have an extra special guest instead of Paul. Paul McVeigh's best friend, Nick Carl. <laughs> we'll just gonna drop out we'll just, right now. We'll just ask Nick the questions and he can say yeah. how he thinks Paul would answer. So, yeah. Okay. No, but in all seriousness, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I do want to take a moment because I do not want to breeze over the fact that that just uh, was announced here. There was no part of us that thought this would happen. We apologize to our live listeners who have been sitting around in hopes for that. We are going to work to get something scheduled here. And I'm trying to multitask. Like while the show is happening, like I'm corresponding mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, there is a lot that has been going into tonight to make it happen. And it's just not happening. Yeah, someone in the chat says we crashed Paul's internet too. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> slow yeah. down on the internet. Yeah. Slow down. Um, I, I used to live at that house, and that internet is really, like, very strugglesome at a lot of times. Mm. So, so what we're gonna try to do here is possibly line up another guest, and it's not to say they are second to anybody else, but we're gonna see what we can do here. In fact. I'm just gonna throw it out there, possibly an Aaron Gossage interview, a guy who pushed the playoff. Mm -hmm. Would it be possible, Ben? Do you happen to have his phone number or just Instagram or what? He he <laughs> follows me on Instagram. Shout oh, out Aaron, oh, thanks Aaron. Oh, 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 so I'm okay. just gonna reach out to him there. <laughs> All right, this um, is uh, part of the live shows or me messing up like I did last week, as well as things like this happening. Uh, I will say it's let's get Eagle back on. <laughs> yeah, but we yeah. have a lot to talk get about. Him on. So. You can work to see if you want to line something up. You, you have I'll the links up. to send if okay, we get I'll something. Hit up okay, everyone. I know. Hit up everyone he knows. So let's do this. We had a lot of great questions to ask. In fact, um, let's just save them until Paul or somebody uh, else is able to come on here. So let's get into some of the topics surrounding worlds specifically. Nick, how mm -hmm. much is it an advantage or a disadvantage to have previous world's playoff experience is that an advantage or a disadvantage and the way it went down for paul last year you, i don't know you could argue it either way so what do you think coming yeah. into this he here this is one of the questions we're going to ask him he hears it and he's like i just pushed another playoff for the world championships is that an advantage or a disadvantage nick 
I think in a sense it's it's obviously an advantage having prior knowledge and like prior experience in a playoff at this large caliber of an event, the world championships. I mean, Paul's gone through it what three times now. He's two out of three when it comes to winning world championships and playoffs. Um, one of them was a seven hole playoff where he clutched up every single 25 to 35 footer that round or that playoff event. Uh, 2021, his shot hit the island and then just kind of skipped OB while James Conrad parked it. So, I mean, it's funny that it was another island hole. Um, I hate the idea of the coin flip because um, that's what they did to determine who goes first is I think it was Paul gets heads, Aaron gets tails. So whatever the coin lands on, that's who throws first. It landed on Aaron. Um, I think that was tougher for Aaron to go first in that situation only in the sense of like you know Aaron went first Aaron throws it OB now Paul all he has to do is throw the buzz hard enough to try to hit that back wall don't throw it too high don't throw it too low just throw a stock 330 foot 340 foot buzz shot which is something that obviously Paul Macbeth can do um and it also I think alleviates a lot of pressure and not having like seeing Aaron go OB it alleviates a lot of pressure by not having to absolutely park the hole or put it within 20 feet. Um, I think the idea of that hole is really stupid. I'm just going to say that where I think the basket should be in the middle of the island. There shouldn't be a wall. I think that's the dumbest looking thing in the world. It's It reminds me of the hole at Worlds last year where you could throw against the fence. Like it rewards you to throw against a backstop, which I think is really stupid. Um, so put the basket in the middle of the island make about a 40 foot circle surrounding the whole thing. And I think you have a much better hole. I hated the fact that, and this is also probably cause I threw a B twice on that hole, but I thought it was kind of annoying that I would literally land on land and I'd be, you know, three inches, four inches from being inbounds because inevitably if you hit the land and kind of scoot down, you're probably not going to stay on it. And so each one of my shots was dry, but it was OB which I thought was really stupid because I could have, and maybe I should have done this is just taken a fairway driver and blasted it at the wall, hit the wall and then just sat there at 30 feet. So I think the idea of it was kind of bad, but ultimately going back to the original question, having that playoff experience, I think is, you know, in incredible. Okay. It, it crossed my mind that it could be both ways. And I'm glad you kind of shared it that way. Um, and what's really cool here, and I'm I'm going to do this before our, all of our audience drops off because they don't love listening to just you and me, Nick. <laughs> we made the show, but we were actually able to line up Aaron Gossage. He's literally in our virtual green room right now that quick. Intern Ben deserves Let's a Let's go. But right before we bring him in, I just want to, because we're going to ask him what he thinks about that. Um, and Evan, do you have any thoughts on that? What would be your feelings? Are you like, hey, I want experience, or like, I, if it went down the way it did last year with Paul, like, I don't want that experience? I mean, it, there, there's so many different ways to look at it. I mean, you look at Worlds last year, uh, it just was unfortunate, kind of skipped by Paul, but James was clutch. Like, he put it mm -hmm. exactly where he needed to to force Paul to throw a good shot as well, and obviously, he got that skip. Um, but I think James has that experience of winning, been there, not at Worlds, but has been there. Um, but I look at USDGC last year with Kyle Klein, who had won an elite major, uh, elite series event before that major, um, but then just didn't. I, I'm going to say clutch up on that playoff hole. It wasn't, you know, a terrible shot, but didn't clutch up. It was kind of similar to Aaron's, where it wasn't a bad shot. It just wasn't executed. Uh, 
to enough to win the playoff. Uh, and Paul was able to capitalize it. it. I mean, a lot of things felt similar to USDGC uh, play or the lead up to the playoff with Macbeth, kind of the last two, three holes uh, felt similar. Um, and it kind of felt like Paul had already done it at USDGC. It kind of felt that way. Uh, so you could say the experience was there, but then also Paul hasn't had the best track record in playoffs. Going into this event, he was three and eight in the lead series and majors uh, in a playoff. We saw him lose Jonesboro earlier this year uh, with obviously a T pad gate with uh, the turf pad, but um, it, you can go either way. I mean, playoffs are toss ups. Uh, and so you, you want to be there to know it. I, it, I, I'm leaving this open-ended. I'm sorry, but there's some <laughs> uh, opinions on both sides. Yeah. I will say this. I, I made a social post that said, imagine having previous experience going into the playoffs of the PDGA World Championships. And I left it at that. Because it's public and it wasn't a private mm -hmm. text message, Hannah commented and said, thank you for noticing this. Um, Paul had to go into what was the, more or less she said, the trauma of last year, the way it went down, the epicness of like a throw going in. And she said he was able to go into that playoff and face it down again and take it. And I thought that was really epic to hear her say that. That's from her perspective on what that was. Uh, Aaron, can you hear us? Can you hear us? I'm just curious of that because your camera is not on. Okay, he's not responding right now. Can you, I'm, I'm texting you right now. Keep texting him. He was there and I saw him there, but he was trying to rotate the orientation of his camera. And I think we messed him up with that. But so that's interesting. I want to hear his side. Uh, if he would rather have experience going into that or not. I have a feeling I know what he'll say. Uh, but let's go into this. Um, well, I just want to say that Eagle agreed with me that the land should be safe and the basket should be centered. So, okay, well, okay, well if we're going okay, back cool to, ideas. okay, so the, yeah, I get an idea. Yeah, so we've talked about this, Evan, today during our round. What do you think? Yeah, I I'm okay if the OB line stays the same throughout the entirety of the year, as in when it's drier, you'll see more land. I just want it to be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing, which I think is a sentiment that I think can go for. Um, a number of holes at Emporia. Um, but that hole being so amazing, if it just had like a slight rock wall, I mean, not as crazy as you get on some other holes, not as like Jones Supreme hole one, but just a little bit to really show where that island is, then I don't think it's bad if land is um, OB short if the water is drier. I wouldn't want a scenario where it's crazy. I mean, if it's crazy flooding, it's obviously going to only go so high. But if it's a crazy drought, even more so than maybe Emporia is right now or late in the year, where let's say it goes out 50 feet more and then the island's pointless. And like, yeah, maybe that's an exaggeration and kind of too far thinking out. But like, where does it stop is a tough question to ask. Um, and if they just kind of build something that's not painted. Um, so this is how I'm going to look at it. If you don't want people walking on the bankman, then it should all be OB. None of it should be inbounds. Absolutely none of it. I think it's ridiculous okay, that some of it saying. is inbounds, but yeah. none of it is, I see you know, but saying. not all of it is inbounds. Now, my solution to that is take away the stupid wall because I think it <laughs> looks I think it looks awful and I think it's really stupid how you can play the hole. This is obviously this is my opinion and people get butt hurt about me having an opinion saying something looks like shit. But like this is one of those things. Like, I think it looks awful. That is my opinion of it. I think a better idea for that hole, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. I know a lot of the pros did when I would talk to them about it, is center the basket on the island, and that way anything that's on the grass that's actually on the island is in bounds. And that could be 35, 40 feet. You could make it 25 feet, whatever it actually is. But then you have a non-fluky hole. I think it looks incredible on drone coverage to where if someone doesn't make it above the bankman, 
you know for sure it's out of bounds. It's not one of those things where like, oh, I barely skipped off. I'm on the left-hand side. My disc is completely, by three feet, my disc is completely surrounded by land, but I'm OB. And then let me run this drop zone putt that if I hit the front of the basket, guess what? I'm probably going to go OB again. Right. It's just like, I think it's a dumb idea. Let's, add, let's ask personally. Aaron Gossage a few questions. We've, we've got <laughs> a rewind. Here? Yeah, he's, he's here. He's here. Yeah. And uh, welcome to the show, Aaron. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. I feel like we had you on, but maybe it was. Maybe it was last year. But welcome back to the Nick and Matt show. How are you doing? Oh, we didn't unmute him. There. Oh, that's my bad. That's that's intern Ben's bad. I and was too busy trying to post on Instagram that he's that he's good, on the show. Good job lining him up, Ben. Hey, Aaron, thank you for being so ready at the last minute. Uh, we are glad to have you on. If we could line up everybody on one show at one night, we would do it. But <laughs> but we got you. We're really excited about that. So first of all, incredible performance and show. It's going to go down in an interesting way for you as one of the better world championship finishes ever. Um, just like in similar ways, and I'll let you react to this, to what Paul ha like felt like he dealt with in a way last year, and we had him on to talk to him about it. Do you feel like, how do you feel about the way it went down? Like the whole thing, final, let's just start the final round. How do you feel like it went down all the way up to the playoff for you? Um, yeah, so I don't think it's quite like um, what happened to Paul last year. Um, I think I put myself in a really good position to kind of hold on to a lead and uh, potentially have a chance to win it. But um, just kind of under those um, circumstances with the pressure on me, I definitely, um, just was feeling a little tight, missed a few putts, and uh, Paul definitely battled back. And um, I was really happy with myself right at the end. I was able to really clutch up and throw some good shots right towards the end to force the playoff. But um, the biggest difference between like this year and last year is it was like Paul didn't make any mistakes last year, and it was just kind of like stolen from him, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Versus um, this year, I didn't I didn't feel like Paul stole it from me. I mean, he he just. He made some incredible shots there on 17, but um, overall, um, I could have won it at any point. So um, it, it wasn't quite like that. Just like okay, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that correction from your perspective for sure. And I would say, as you mentioned, you feel like you made some mistakes. Um, I'm not going to have you rehash and say which ones you think were the biggest mistakes. But hole 18, you were able to. Uh, I'll say clutch up from my perspective, and you threw a shot that I feel like I saw you try to throw in similar ways previous rounds at Emporia Country Club, but you executed it to put yourself really close. Was it bullseye there on your approach for your final hole 18? Yeah, it was pretty close. It was about <laughs> 18, 20 feet, something like that. But I definitely practiced that shot a lot in practice. Um, that was kind of how I drew the hole up um, for the whole tournament, and I was finally able to execute it that last round. Okay. Yeah. And I was just going to say is 18 to 20 feet. Was that close enough? What were you feeling walking up to that putt? <laughs> so uh, just like I told all my friends, I'm not known for making 20 foot putts. Um, I, uh, I have choked many, many a putts from that distance. So walking up to that, I was like, Oh God, this is the nerviest 20 footer <laughs> of my life. And I just tried to relax, not think about it too much and just put it in the basket. Okay. And so, you did. Yeah. And you did. And you did. And I was in the Atlantic Ocean with my iPad watching it all unfold live because that's where I was with my family. And I'm just like, this is going to be incredible. Either way, uh, you forced Paul in that scenario uh, to have to get the birdie to win. And he wasn't able to do that. And you forced a playoff. Not moving past that point specifically, did you have a moment of feeling proud of yourself then, or were you still in what we'll call battle mode? Like you didn't even consider that a success. 
Yeah, I'm not even sure I would call it like battle mode. I was just in like <laughs> shock. The whole thing was just kind of a blur. And um, I don't know, I, it, it's hard to really describe what I was thinking. Um, when it, I was like, oh, I guess I still have a chance. I don't know. It was one of those that was like, I, I, I was ready for the whole thing to be over. I just, wow. uh, my, my body couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> wow. Explain that because I heard you in one of your post round interviews mention the nerves. Um, this is the, is this the biggest disc golf moment you've ever been a part of? Oh, for sure. Okay. And I mean, what were the nerves like? You mentioned your body almost couldn't take it. Just kind of explain that just a little bit. Yeah, just like probably for the the whole day, like the night before, I just had this like knot in my chest trying to to deal with this, trying not to think about it too much. Just the thought of like, hey, I could be a world champion, you know, I just got to play some decent golf. And honestly, um, what really helped sober me up was losing the lead in the middle of the round. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as Paul was was in the lead, I was like, well, I'm no longer trying to hold on to anything. I'm, I'm fighting back. You know, I, I don't have any choice. I have to go for birdies here. I have to mm -hmm. execute these shots. So um, it was really nice to have that moment of really, I don't know, um, clearing my mind a little bit and actually playing some good golf. Yeah, I I can't imagine um, the way that they so we go to a playoff and it used to be that you would have to check your scores. There's not much of that going on anymore with the digital scoring. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I always check my scores um, at the end of rounds, um, especially the first four rounds. I was like, I'm in the lead. No reason for there to be any mistakes here. But that last round, I had no idea what I shot. Uh, all I knew was I was tied with Paul Macbeth, and I hoped that somebody else got the scores right. I never signed off on anything. So that's the first time that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Interesting. And so there's a little bit of conversation surrounding that. But we're, So you move over to hole 16, which is where it all starts for the playoff. And did you watch? What were you thinking? What were you prepping? How were you, how were you thinking about this moment now? Because you're probably watching the gallery, and it seems significant, but line hole 16 – what is that moment like when there's so many people watching you throw a shot in a high pressure pressure situation like that? Yeah, all day I had just been trying to zone the gallery out and definitely right there on hole 16 on in the playoff, I just took a moment to breathe it in, um, you know, look all around me, um, see everything that was happening and just kind of like live in the moment for that, for that second before throwing my shot. So it was a really cool experience to really just like, um, understand what I had accomplished and where I was and everything going on around me. So what, besides the fact that everybody makes mistakes throwing a disc, I felt like you had thrown so solidly on hole 16 Island all week that I said, this is a lockup. I almost feel advantage to Gossage here in my own mindset. Um, we asked right before you came on and you might've heard this. Do you wish and this is only because Paul has previous playoff experience at the world championships. Do you wish that you like had previous experience? Do you think you would have thrown your shot to a not out of bounds place? If you had had experience Were your nerves that high, I guess is my question. Um, so it's a little bit different in my thought process. So um, earlier in the tournament, I had gotten on the Island safe all three rounds, right? But I had never birdied the hole. I laid up, um, I think all three rounds and got a par and I knew the par was not going to do it today. Um, and especially in that playoff. So what I was telling myself is, uh, you're a phenomenal, um, driver, you're great off the tee. And what you need to do right now is you need to put this tee shots 20 feet because your putt is just a little bit 
not so great under these pressure situations. And I'd rather put all that pressure on my driving. So um, I was like, I was lining up the same shot and I told myself, just throw it about, you know, 15 feet shorter than you did the last time. And because of that, uh, I didn't throw it quite as flat as I needed to. I think I had the right speed, you know, it was pin high. I just uh, needed to have a little less hyzer angle on it. Yeah, I mean, out of the hand, I was like, ooh, that looks higher than, I definitely noticed the change in your throw. And it's interesting to hear you say that was on purpose, more or less, like you're trying to throw a different shot. You're trying to be closer. I noticed it came out a little high and I thought, oh boy, that, so I, I just wasn't sure. When it landed where it did, you knew immediately that it was out of bounds? Yes. Okay. Yep. And I knew it was immediately out of bounds, out of my hand. I, as soon as I threw the shot, I was like, no, that, that doesn't have a chance. Mm -hmm. And so I hate to have you rehash it, but I mean, you realized it wasn't in. Did you feel like, I mean, everything's out of your control, but what were you feeling at that moment? Well, um, I had a moment of, oh, maybe it's not over. You know, I could still make the putt from the drop zone. But honestly, I was just kind of like, um, it's kind of a delayed reaction. You know what I mean? I, I knew deep down that it was over as soon as that happened. And I was just trying to like hold on for those like scraps. Mm -hmm. And I went to the drop zone, gave it the best run I could, got it chain high. But uh, even if I'd made the putt, I didn't for a second think I had a, a chance of winning it after missing the island. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that moment obviously had to be somewhat defeating, but I think in your post round interview, you talked about whether it was a privilege or it was a great, you know, accomplishment you felt that you had made it to this point i would agree with that strongly how are you thinking after two days have gone by about them like how do you look back at it you're still like taking it in like what is your perspective now <laughs> so i definitely had a couple days of just being like emotional um looking back at everything um trying to like wrap my brain around it um, right now i've come to terms with the fact that i just played awesome for an entire week and even that last round um, there were a lot of things to be proud of so overall, um, very happy with the tournament. And like I said, Paul had to beat me. Um, he threw two amazing shots on 17 to get that birdie. And without that, um, you know, I, I win the world championships. So um, you can tell he's a clutch guy. And um, I actually made him, you know, throw some good shots there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that the, So you're not Paul McBeth, but you knew he was out of position. And how are you, uh, like, at that moment, I know you can't count yourself as the winner, but in that moment, you're thinking to yourself, really high percentage. Like, what, what are you thinking when you see where his shot lands? Like, this is really good, right? Well, yeah, I was up by one. Or, no, we were tied, sorry, right. um, yep. going into 17. Mm -hmm. And he threw that shot. And immediately, as soon as it hit the tree, I thought to myself, you can't birdie from there. So um, I didn't think I was going to win, but I did think, hey, this is an opportunity. And right. I stepped up. And I threw an awesome drive, and I was like, okay, I put myself in position. If I can execute this upshot, I get a stroke right here, and I can have a buffer going into 18. And, uh, yeah, he threw two miraculous shots, and I didn't think it was possible to birdie from there. I didn't think he could birdie after he threw the amazing upshot. Mm -hmm. But um, put an amazing upshot and amazing putt together, and you get, you get a birdie. So, so pretty crazy. Again, I'll, I'll only do this one more time, I promise, have you talk about, you know, your competitor's yeah. throws. But I remember, I think it was round – two possibly at jo was it at jones where you saw him finish out his round with a massive like was it like an 80 foot putt or something crazy it was something like that and i just remember they put a camera on you aaron and you're just shaking your head going wow <laughs> so i mean you got to see it a few times but to your point 
you made him have to do all of that up until the very last hole even. And that is an incredible accomplishment. Paul is going to go down as a very uh, <laughs> decorated figure in our sport. And you are going to be a part of that history for the 2022. No one can take that away from you. I'm sure you wished it went a different way. But here's my question. This is your season, uh, second season fully touring. Is that correct? Or was it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's correct. And how do you feel like you rate this season now, including even the world championships? Like I have a perspective, but I want yours. Yeah. So it's always interesting going into a season. Um, sometimes you're like, I don't know. I have this thought every now and then we're all like play an amazing tournament. And I'll be like, I wonder if that's the best tournament I ever play, you know? And then like coming into this season, I'm like, I've got a lot to live up to from last season, played some good rounds and already halfway through the season, I was like, I've already done everything. I've got a higher rating, better tournament finishes playing more consistent and here towards the end i yeah, struggled a couple events but um i knew that as soon as i got back on one of these courses that i really handled well i put some work in i was going to do well but um i didn't think it was going to be this good and yeah this is by far the the best you know disc golf experience i've ever had okay another thought and, and nick i'm sure you have a few i've been talking i know you're kind of feeling under the weather i'm actually trying to help out a little bit oh, you're good you're good but is did you hear, and I think it was Paul, and I'm not saying you were trying to consume all the media of Paul after the tournament, but I heard something about Paul watching your rounds uh, prior to the last round so he could see what you were doing. How were you doing what you were doing? Had you heard anything about that yet? So um, I have heard about it now. Okay. Um, I uh, watched that interview for sure, and I actually noticed it during the round. Um, there are four or five times where he threw a shot where I was like, Finally, he threw the he threw the right shot on this hole. <laughs> and uh, moreover than anything, like I I think that it was uh, one of the reasons he won. You know, I think that I had a really good game plan going in, and I'm surprised so many other players didn't have this game plan. I think it was mainly just me and Tristan just played hyzers on every hole, played it safe, and shot really well. And I think it took Paul five rounds to really figure out that this is the way to play this tournament. And, um, you know, because of that and because he can execute the putts under pressure, you know, I didn't play much worse that last round than I did other than the putts. So he played my game and uh, just made the putts. And that's what that's what got him the win. Mm. Interesting. I love your perspective on that. I'm glad I asked that. Nick, you think of anything that you'd like to know? Yeah, I think more so is just figuring out, you know, your putting wasn't necessarily bad throughout the whole tournament. Like you were hitting great putts. You didn't miss too many putts where we were like, Oh man, he really should have made that. But cause I was watching the final round live and I was going around and there were a couple putts like hole three uh, down the hill where Paul was looking at about a 35 footer. He cans it pin high. You're looking at about a 28 footer and you just don't get a little bit low. And then a couple putts, I think on hole seven after that, where it just raised above the basket like was that generally just from the nerves that you were feeling or does it kind of the confidence of I'm not the greatest putter kind of set in on that? What was your take with it? Yeah. A couple of things going on there. Um, number one, it was quite a bit more windy that last mm -hmm. round than any mm -hmm. of the other rounds. I had a lot of headwind putts and you get the head, the nose down just a little bit in the headwind. It's going to drop. Um, you get the nose up a little bit. It's going to lift. So that's why it was kind of, you know, a little high, a little low, still dialed in on the, you know, mm -hmm. the pole. But um, like you said, um, a lot of nerves as well. Um, under nerves, I really struggle to slow down my swing itself. So um, it gets a little bit jerky and it's hard to find the correct release point. And I've always struggled with this, but like you said, up until this point, I, um, I had been able to handle my nerves and really you know, put the disc in the basket. Um, 
my, my putting was super solid for four rounds. And then, yeah, right there at the end, I knew the last day was going to be tough and I just needed uh, better drives, better upshots to take a little pressure off my putt. Mm. Do you think a lot of the pressure came from the fact that it's Paul McBeth that's trailing you and wanting to kind of like go for that sixth world title? Or is it, if it was anyone else, do you think you would have felt as much pressure in that situation? I know that's kind of like a weird question to ask, but like, do you think it being Paul where we've seen this happen a few times, you know, do you think that played any sort of mind game in it? Um, it's hard for me to say. I have no, no experience in this matter. Um, right. It's possible that there is more pressure with Paul, but I think if it was any, you know, other solid player too, mm-hmm. like Ricky Eagle, mm-hmm. um, even Matty O put a lot of pressure on me mm-hmm. too. Um, I think moreover, the pressure was what was at stake and the fact yep. that I was up by three strokes and it was just like, can I hold on to that? I mean, there were a lot of people that were just saying things like, you know, Aaron should be able to hold on to this. We'll see if mm-hmm. he can do it. So it, it's, mm-hmm. um, it, it's tough just kind of putting that pressure on yourself as well. So now that you've had this incredible finish at a major, um, what are kind of the goals of the rest of the season? I mean, I know one of the big things, it's definitely a nice little paycheck that you took home. I know earlier in the year, you were talking about getting a newer touring vehicle, I think a bigger one. So I think this is kind of a step in the right direction, but play wise, what are your goals kind of finishing out the year? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. Um, I put in a ton of work this weekend and, um, honestly, like it just wasn't quite enough. So my goal is to just keep grinding on the putting green. Um, I think that if I can get my putts to a nice solid place where I'm very confident in a lot of situations, um, I could have some good finishes here at the end of the season. Um, GMC MVP are never quite my style of golf as far Mm -hmm. as drives go. So um, I'm hoping to just play some solid, consistent golf there, stick with that game plan. But uh, USDGC is going to be the next one that I really want to attack. Um, It's a course that should suit my game, and I just need to put some practice in, and uh, I think I could have a good tournament there. Eagle jumped on the uh, podcast earlier, and we were just talking about kind of his game plan throughout the week, his touring life that he has nowadays. But one of the questions, and answer it however you want, what did you think about the courses in general this year for Worlds? I mean, you played Worlds last year. What did you think about the courses this year for Worlds? Um, I thought that these were a lot less uh, fluky. I mm-hmm. thought there were a lot of gimmicky, strange things um, over at those other two courses in Utah. Mm-hmm. I thought there were a lot of really nice things about them, too, that you don't get here at the Country Club. Um, I think this kind of golf really suits my game, so I'm going to be a little biased. But um, mm-hmm. I love playing this kind of golf um, really just um, – there seems to be very little luck involved. Um, yep. I felt like for the entire weekend, I never really had a lucky break and I never really had an unlucky break. Mm-hmm. And I would take that at every tournament, you know, for the rest of my life. Yeah. So um, compared to some of the woods golf I've played, of course, I'm a little bit biased, but I definitely enjoy this style of golf a little more. Okay. Nice. Okay. Um, here's, here's one. And you came into this when we were talking about this one and I brought up the Island hole. Um, that is where, unfortunately, you threw out of bounds. There's a debate going on out there, one just generally about island holes in playoffs. I mean, Paul had to do it last year. He had to do it again this year. This is your first time to do it. Uh, We see it at other courses as well. Do you feel like, just from your perspective, and and I'm not asking you, it's not a ho-hum Aaron Gossage, I threw, you know, OB, and I don't like it, but just generally put, do you want to see a playoff that starts on an island hole like that? Or do you, would you as a fan even like to see something different? Or, or do you not care? Um, so me as a player, of course, I would rather play a par four. Um, I think par four is a little bit more test of skill and um, versus the island holes are a little test of precision. 
-hmm. and the precision's tough for me in a playoff. That being said, I think playoffs are mostly about the fans. What what do the fans want to see there at the end? And the fans want to see us play hole 16. So I don't think there's any problem with us playing the, the island hole. Um, I was wondering what we were going to play for the playoffs, but when they said 16, 17, 18, I was like, okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And then the, the follow-up question to that um, would be the way that it was marked this year. Um, did you have any thoughts or concern? Not that it would have changed that playoff throw for you to be inbounds but did you have any thoughts on like hey why why is this marked the way it is would you like it a different way do you like the wall on there or would you like to see it removed nick gave his opinions earlier but we want to hear yours yeah i heard i heard nick's opinions um i'm not sure on the wall to be honest with you i haven't made an opinion on that as far as the island goes um the two things i have to say are one it's the same island as it was for ddo so um, I 100% see why they did that. And it's a massive island if you make it the whole thing and just the water out of bounds. And I don't think that it needs to be that big. I think it is good that it's a little bit smaller, makes it a little more challenging. I will say, however, for some reason, the island feels smaller than at DDO, even though it's the exact same size. And I think it's just because you're looking at it and you get to see that certain bits of the land are out of bounds. I don't know. It's just a little bit in your head as far as how big the island is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Those are my thoughts on it. And then uh, follow up to just generally your feelings on, and we're just kind of throwing out conversations we're going to have here, but I figured you were there. Um, you're, how many lead cards have you found yourself on? That's a sincere question. Like, in an elite tier, any or a few? Um, two. I've been on two lead cards at Elite Series. And, uh, and was that final weekend. round or no? Um, one of them was second round. One of them was final round. Yep. Okay. And the reason I'm going down that road is not to make you point out how many lead cards you've been on, but gallery-wise, as a fan, I get to watch the lead card every round, right? Gallery-wise, did this seem like a large gallery to you, or were you like, huh, it's the World Championships, it could have been better? What was your perspective as a player? Well, it was interesting. Um, One of the reasons I think I played so well all week is we didn't have any, like, almost no gallery whatsoever until the final round. And it was a massive gallery the final round. I don't know how it stacks up to some of the other events. Um, it was the biggest gallery I've ever seen. I don't usually stick around and watch mm-hmm. you know, pe- the, the cards finish. Mm-hmm. But it was such a, a change from the first three, four rounds that um, I, I was blown away by how many people were out there. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, I can I can attest to that for being someone that was actually in the crowd watching it. Um, the first couple of days were funny because I didn't I didn't watch until the fourth round. Um, cause I was at Emporia country club and then the final round cause it was at Emporia country club. Um, I think it's kind of weird in a good way, but weird in a bad way that our tournament ends. Give me one second. <laughs> our tournament ends on a Saturday. Yes. Uh, cause you would think that Saturday and Sunday would be your two massive days of selling spectator tickets. Uh, but the tournament starts on Tuesday ends on Saturday and Sunday is usually known as a travel day, which I think is good. But at the same time, like Aaron was just saying Friday, me, Julian, uh, Billy Angle, and Hannah, we could walk around and literally find whatever spot we wanted to go to. And we would usually stay a little bit further down the fairway. But if I want to watch them putt, I just walk right up to the rope and I watch them putt. If I want to go watch a drive, I walk right up. The final day, there were some areas where it was like five people deep to where you literally could not see anything, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. It, it was cool to see the amount of spectators that did show up that final day that was pretty awesome 
Yeah, so that was kind of my question, and I was going to go down this route, and we don't need to keep Aaron on for this conversation, but it ending on a Saturday is different. And I know the PDG, I saw a, a post out there, and I think it was Robert Leonard saying that they're considering making a permanent change to where it used to be. It would end on Saturdays for travel purposes, but, like, it's not needed as much anymore, I, as my understanding. Um, but anyways, all that being said, Aaron, it was an impressive, impressive show you're feeling like your season is maybe a major success at this point. Maybe you feel like it would, you know, you, you want to do more and I'm expecting that. Do you have any questions about touring next year? Or are you all in? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely all in. Okay. This was uh, definitely a, a bit of a decider of, yeah, I've got to go full in, got a lot of fire underneath me. I can compete at the top. Just got to put the practice in, got to get the experience at the top level. Absolutely. On the last uh, show, Aaron, I did predict you're going to get on the elite team and your own disc. So I think I'm a genius and Goose Zone's coming soon. Am I right? <laughs> he laughs. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what disc it's going to be, oh, but I, I think okay. there's a good chance I'll be on the elite team. Let's go. Let's go. Got him. Called it. <laughs> he's got to he's gotta fight Adam Hammes if he wants that zone. That's, that's just gotta, how it's got to go down, no, I guess. We need, we need Aaron on the zone. Actually, really Both quick, before before we you know let yeah. you go or before you leave, um, you do have relation to Goose Gossage, correct? The whole okay, chat's calling you Goose. That's yeah. why. <laughs> the, whole, the whole chat is literally wondering, and like we've said this a bunch, but um, Goose Gossage, the name actually came up when we were at a Chicago White Sox game, and I was like... She was like, oh, Aaron Gossage, and I, or Kat said that. And I was like, yeah, Kat, they have, like, they're related. And she was like, no, get out of here. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure they are. But anyway, sure. the they can go back, go back and listen to this episode. We interviewed yeah. Aaron two years ago, I think. Or yeah. maybe it was last yep. year. But yeah, OT, go, after his OT. Go, go find his yeah. full interview where we asked him about this stuff. Yeah. Anywho, long story short, this is my question. People have started calling you Goose. Is that a nickname that you care to have, or is that something that like you're against? Tell me how it is. <laughs> Lay it out. It's a good question. I haven't given it a ton of thought. Um, overall, I've been called Goose my whole life by mm -hmm. yeah, just friends, people I meet. Um, half of them know who Goose Gossage is, half of them don't. They just call me that. Mm -hmm. So I've just gotten used to um, that nickname for sure. Um, I haven't really given it much thought of whether, um, you know, it's a good thing or a bad thing, just because I, I don't want to take away from yeah. yeah what Richard did and everything, but um, also it just seems to be sticking. So oh, it's I, sticking. I don't know to be it's honest. With you. It was when it was when the commentators were saying, "Here goes Goose on this shot." I'm like, "Whoa! When did he? When did he start?" Because I've only known you as Aaron, and like we've only talked to each other as like Aaron and Nick and whatever. And mm -hmm. so it was just kind of funny when they're like, "Oh, here's Goose with the second shot." I'm like, "When the hell did we start calling him Goose? Like, did I miss something?" Here, here's a so little. I was just curious. To me, and, I was at Evan's house. We were watching the thing, and during like the last two holes, I we, I was like nervous for you, and then when you hit that hit that uh, on eighteen, that huge, you landed it for the bird. We were like, "The goose is loose!" We were like freaking out, <laughs> and then yeah, so it's it sticks. I'm telling you. <laughs> Well, and I'm back. Funny. See you later. Sometimes, yeah. So, sometimes we don't get yeah. to choose our nicknames, but sometimes people like I remember interviewing James after last year's win, and we were talking about like what the name of the shot would be, and he's like, "Listen, I don't have any say in what happens there. People get to decide." But, but you, but we will let Aaron give his opinion on that. But I, I think, is there anything? That we didn't talk about that you're you're like dude you guys missed the home run you could ask me this question i would have told you all the inside scoops <laughs> is there anything we missed aaron um not that i can think of okay. off the top of my head okay 
Oh, I have one more question. Yeah, go ahead. Chat keeps saying what you threw in 16 was a putter line zone. Is that what you threw there? It's a it's a soft zone. Um, that's what I've been throwing all day. Um, okay, it cool. just, when it hits the ground, it gets almost no skip. So that's kind of why I was throwing it so high, is I knew that I had to get it, like, on the island. But I was hoping that if I land it 20 feet behind the basket, it'll stay at 20 feet behind Got the basket. It. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the insight. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, with that being said, we appreciate very much the fact that you are ready to go. In fact, you, <laughs> you're the champion of tech, and I'll tell you what the Macbeths aren't. <laughs> it was supposed to be that way, and I'm glad we got you on because, in fact, and I will say this in, in full honesty, the show has increased by hundreds when you came on the show. And people, when they thought Macbeth was on here, it was 200 less. So when you got on, the show exploded. So we appreciate that very much. And we expect nothing but, you know, good disc golf throws out of you from here on out because we know how good you are now. No pressure. And now you, now you have playoff experience at the World Championships. <laughs> and that's something that you cannot buy. And very few people have that. So congratulations again. I know it's interesting to say that to a second place finish, but man. What a show, and it will go down in history. So thank you very much for your time, Aaron. Ch actually, chat's asking yeah. how can we support you. Is there a better way to support yeah. you than we're already doing? <laughs> um, good question. Um, the two things I got going right now is um, Upper Park. Use my uh, discount code Aaron10 uh, to purchase a bag from Upper Park. That will uh, help me out as well as um, I've been talking with Bob, and I should have something coming out pretty soon um, for some kind of um, – thing to commemorate uh what i accomplished this past week so Hell yeah. yeah let's go let's go crash upper parks website and discraft everybody go, <laughs> there you go. all awesome. right thank thanks, you very guys. much appreciate for your time Aaron. On here. what was that appreciate yeah, it yeah okay thanks for having it thanks thanks for coming uh we'll talk to you again another time peace out thanks guys all right and just like that intern ben earns his yeah. keep lines up aaron gossage everybody well there you go aaron, um i wanted to say really quick someone had asked let's see if i can find it what did Paul say to Aaron on the playoff? Now, I'm not sure exactly what moment they're talking about, but after everything happened, a bunch of us went out to dinner, and then we went back to an Airbnb, kind of watched the last few holes. But we were talking about that, what I think is that exact moment um, where Paul says something to Aaron, and it might have been after Aaron missed the drop zone putt or maybe after Paul had tapped out for the win. But he had said he was like, I think he said, like, this was a blast. You'll be here again. And just in the sense of, like, you did incredible. It was an absolute blast battling you. Like, you'll be here mm -hmm, again. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was kind of cool because there was a bunch of us walking around following the round. And it was so cool because it was two Discraft guys. Now, obviously, I have a friendship that, you know, is on a major level with Paul. Um, I do have a friendship with Aaron. We see each other. He actually came out to the block party. We were all hanging out a bunch. Wicked nice kid. I do like him as a person. Uh, but kind of rooting for Paul. And last year, the one shot that I watched that final round was, um, what's it called? Uh, the final shot that I watched was the holy shot. And that's when Paul had lost. And so this year, when Aaron had made like the massive upshot on 18, when it went to the whole 16 as a playoff and Paul actually put it on the island, it was a pretty incredible moment. But two other people that were there who it was kind of like mixed feelings, I think, was uh Mike Wagner and Bob Julio, who are two of the head guys over at Discraft, and they're literally watching two of their Discraft players like battle it out, and they're freaking out because one's hitting a massive putt, one's hitting a massive drive, and it was just, I don't know, it was pretty cool to watch, and it was awesome that Discraft was there supporting, you know, they both went right up to Aaron, 
and just gave him a massive hug and said congratulations like congratulations this was an incredible event by you um so that was pretty sweet absolutely so i'm a, <laughs> i'm a little bit taken back and we'll apologize one more time we never want to advertise a show that doesn't happen there's no reason we're doing that intentionally this was purely again just so everyone's on the same page live here's jumped in uh purely due to technical issues that are out of our control Plain and simple. We will get this lined up for another time. We're trying to coordinate that now with Macbeths. But all that being said, we got an excellent interview with Aaron and the people yeah. wanted to hear it. So we're very grateful for that. Now, funny enough, last year we didn't have I know James Conrad on the day after Worlds. We had Paul Macbeth, the runner up. It's our thing. And then this one, we had Paul lined up. Um, things didn't work out, obviously. It's our so thing. So then, yeah, exactly. So, so here's here's how it goes. We had Eagle on. We didn't expect that. So we did a good job tonight lining up guests on accident, which <laughs> yeah, is fantastic. On purpose, an awesome not so accidental well. show. But let me ask this question. We we have a lot to talk about, and we'll just see how it flows. And if we're like, yeah, no, we're done, we'll be done. But I just want to ask, simply put, I don't need a lot of deep insight into this. If Aaron hit the drop zone putt to save, what would it have been? A three? For par, yeah. A three. Would Paul have gone yeah. for the birdie on the island hole? Or would he have said, dude, it's not worth missing here and losing? No, nah, he he was about in the same spot as uh what's it called as he was during the round. So he he would have ran the putt. Okay. It was the same thing on hole eighteen. Like we were asking him, um, how far away would you have had to be on hole eighteen to where you laid it up? And he was like, I don't know. Because I was thinking maybe another ten feet he lays up that putt on eighteen. But there wasn't like a ton of wind. There was a little bit of a headwind, I think it was. I could be mistaken. Or tailwind. Um, mm. But in the fact, I didn't ask Aaron about this. Aaron went for that putt during the round, like three holes prior. He he and he hit the front rim, and I thought that was real. Yeah, I thought that was really aggressive, yeah. and I was like, good for him. Like wow. Well, I think he he kind of had to go for the putt at that time because he had just gained two strokes on fifteen, and then going into sixteen, had he hit that putt, he would have stayed one stroke up. So then, but I also, I think advantage to Aaron on hole 18. Well, so hold on. I don't think I mean, he I, was two strokes up going to 16 because they were tied on 17. No, he was, he was, he was one stroke. Right. Yeah. Up. Mm -hmm. I'm saying he would have, he would have stayed at one stroke up right. going into 17. Had he hit that putt? <sighs> yeah, I think he had Paul to. hits it. And then all of a sudden now on 17, Paul makes two incredible shots, I goes know. up by one. I know. But like I said, I think advantage Gossage on 18 just because of that forehand yeah, forehand. absolutely. All right. So then I'm going to toss this one over to Evan. He's still here, everybody, an hour later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the interview situation was funky, but he's there. We give him permission to ask questions, but he likes to sit back and relax. That's what he gets paid for, but no, I'm kidding. Win percentages on UDISC. You're a stat guy. UDISC announced right before worlds as far as i could tell in advertising and uh on their app that we can now see what win percentages are projected to be at certain points during the round i think even during live it'll say okay now Kristen tatar is slated this page has less than a percent chance like what do you think about percentage chances being introduced to live disc golf I, I think it's a really fun and engaging way for fans to uh, kind of see what it feels like. I mean, it uh, feels that didn't make any sense <laughs> to see what it uh, the leaderboard like kind of should be like, I guess, is a better way to say it, especially at a course like this where there's a lot of birdies. If you tee off earlier, you could just get hot, be nine holes in and then the lead cards on like hole two. So the leaderboard looks all funky. 
Um, so it's good to kind of get a sense of where people are at and what players like Tristan Tanner started off really hot. He wasn't expected to maintain it. So it's an engaging way to kind of know where people stand and what the chances are. If someone makes a huge comeback, it's noteworthy, not just, hey, it was three strokes, but hey, they were only predicted to have a 5% chance of winning and they came back and win. So that that is all fun and engaging. Um, but before I get into it too much, though, I do want to shout out uh, Will and Doug. They've been doing it all year. Um, in kind of two different ways and just recently merged. So Doug's been mapping out every single hole on tour, uh, kind of giving it characteristics and seeing what players score on that compared to just competitive players and not just all players. Uh, and then meanwhile, Will did a Monte Carlo method on round ratings uh, to kind of say, hey, where people are going to shoot. Um, and then they just recently merged their systems and created a really killer uh, system. Uh, Yuda system kind of seems exactly what they were attacking and announced a couple months ago. And I'm not saying that, you know, they stole the idea, um, but it's a, a similar method, which is cool to see. And it's probably a good method. Um, the question I have, though, is it seemed like UDISC was over-favoring consistent players. I think going into the event, we all agree Kristen Tatar was the favorite in FPO. Um, she's been very consistent, finishing on the podium all year long, where Paige and Katrina have been a little bit more sporadic, as we saw this week. Um, but a 58 win percentage going into an event is kind of absurdly high. That's like a, in a matchup. If you're saying, hey, the New England Patriots versus you know the Miami Dolphins, you might say one team has a 58% win percentage. That's normal. I mean, it's going to go even higher. But when you do a field sport where it's one versus many, 58% uh, for one player is unheard of. And maybe Kristen deserves it. I mean, she obviously proved it this week and winning by eight strokes. Um, but that is a little high. But then what I really question is nine holes into the event, it jumped up to 85%, which is also really high. But she didn't even have a lead at that point. She was tied with numerous other people. They were all getting started halfway through round four i believe she had a lead at this point um barely over henna it was really a two-horse race her win percentage was still 85 percent and to me it doesn't really make sense that a person would have the same win percentage or probability i would say uh nine holes through the tournament with four and a half rounds left as there would be uh what is that uh 24 27 holes left in the tournament they're two totally different things and it seems like it should have moved and it didn't which is kind of interesting to me, but I, it, I still think it's really good. And the last thing I want to kind of touch on is kind of a scenario to make people kind of understand what uh, I mean by the consistent versus not. If you take a 1040 rated person in MPO and they only shoot 1040 rated rounds every single round. So this is a complete hypothetical, of course. Um, if they only shoot 1040 rounds, they're not winning a single event on tour uh, in today's game in MPO like zero. They're going to finish well every single time. Top 10, maybe some podiums. They're going to be pushing for the win, but never actually get it. Um, meanwhile, if you have a player who's, let's say, 10-10 rated, and they can either shoot 10-50, 10-60, or 9-60 or 9-70 on any given uh, tournament, and really sporadic, even round to round, uh, they have a higher percent chance of winning just because they can put up those high rounds. Um, and put it together in one week. And we saw that with Tristan Tanner. He's a sporadic player. He's 10.04 rated. Uh, but he really put down together a lot of great rounds. And he does have a higher win percentage than, or 
in, in my mind, should have a higher win probability percentage than a player who is more consistent. And it feels like this one kind of overdoes consistency, which is really good if you're trying to match top 10s, but I do question it for win percentage. I mean, one name that caught my eye was Matt Orem, had a 12% uh, chance of win probability. Well, I predicted uh, to win, the by event. the way. <laughs> yeah, he had a great event. And I, if you told me he came in third, I would have absolutely believed it going in. He proved it this week. I don't think a guy who that was his 118th start in elite series and majors and he has zero wins. He's proved to be a really consistent player. He's been close in the past. He's close now. Incredibly good, iconic player. Uh, I wouldn't put him at over 10% to win a tournament. I think his odds are like 2% or less at the beginning of the event. Um, but he's a very consistent player. So that's why he ends up high. He's a high rated player. He's high can in I, rankings, all this stuff. Can I say for me, my simpleton perspective on this people in the chat are like dudes evan knows what's up and like they're so impressed i'll say from my simpleton view i don't as a fan love seeing that for instance i'll just pick page pierce or any of any player that's in fourth or fifth like less than one percent chance of winning it i i guess if i was looking for that maybe but like during the live event i don't enjoy being like oh i guess like they're like Oh, should I root for them then? Like they, they apparently have no chance. It's zero. It's realistically, statistically zero chance. Like, I don't love that feeling of looking at the event that way. I know it's numbers. Maybe say, well, great. It's less than one and watch the story of them winning. And that would be epic, right? That someone predicted them that way. But I, I don't know. I don't love it myself, but let's go ahead and do this. I used a product today and I say product because it's something that I've purchased. Max wax D G max wax. It was supposed to be pouring today, and it did rain. Everything was wet. Evan, Ben, and myself, not Nick, Nick's in Tennessee. We got out for a round at Maple Hill, and it was raining when we started. I reached for my Max Wax in the mini slot. Did you guys see that? Did you observe that at any point, or was I secretive with it? You were so secretive. Okay. It was slick. You, did, you didn't want to tell us you were getting an advantage. It's true, actually. I didn't tell you I was using it, but it was in my mini slot in my bag, and I just reached in the mini slot in my bag, and I got a really good feeling, and it felt so grippy on my plastic, not sticky, Grip enhancement. I did use it. It is a product that I use. I would not talk about it. I didn't believe in it. Evan, do you agree? It's a product you like? Yeah, I, grippy, not sticky is the best way I could ever describe that. <laughs> you get into such a good rhythm with it, and then you're just confident grip each throw. Uh, it, it's incredible. I love it. It's it's just a great product. Nick, it's something that people say should have showed up more on the Pro Tour. We want to see people starting to use it more. Do you think it's a product that will? kick off for more touring professionals or is it already do you see things out there like this i think um everyone's kind of rocking these different dry bags or birdie bags mitten bags everything like that but i don't think a lot of players are using any sort of grip enhancer yeah um i do think as maybe as the off season rolls around and Try now that it. this product yeah. is getting a lot more out there that we will see next year pros use well we saw more. paul do a whole uh show or show a whole uh youtube episode on grip enhancements and he's like why aren't more people using this stuff and so some of them were really sticky but i want to say this one is not every show i smell it it smells good and it calms you down they also have the snap stick in the chapstick size container that is perfect for your mm -hmm. pocket uh, i think that's evan's favorite version of it and i think it's just genius uh, they, they might send you, know you a sticker with your order, I don't know. Try it out. It's great. The packaging is fantastic. Get, get percentage off at dgmaxwax.com. Use code Nick and Matt. So as we get close to the point for rounding out the show here, 
there's a few things I wanted to talk about uh, in relation to worlds. Um, and one of them is the conversation. I, I felt like it deserved a little bit because there was quite a bit of social chat about this is the trophies. And I want to give my little social rant myself here and I'll let Evan and Nick and Ben respond if they yeah. want to. Let me, let me go second on this okay, one. Okay, second. I'm interested in Nick's. I've not talked to Nick about this. And so Nick, if you're different than me, you got to lay it on thick too. Okay. I'm going to give my opinion. Okay. Here we go. First yeah. of all, I'll start it out by saying this. Players do not play for the trophy. They play for the title. Number one, the players are the people whose opinions really matter here. And by players, I mean anybody who signed up for that event because that is something that maybe they do want to play for. And if they say, hey, if I win, I want it to be awesome. The players who are signed up, I am not one of them. So I'm going to say player. But my opinion on that is players don't play for the trophy. So uh, players can tell me if you're wrong. Nick can tell me anybody else. Like that's not why they're playing. They're playing for the title. Number one. Um, the funny thing is I, I'm trying to figure out why do we rate trophies as fans? And that's because we think that intrinsically intrinsically is that the right word? It adds value to what we perceive for the event. So we're saying like when we see a tournament that gives away a solid piece of whatever, like a massive geode with something etched into it, these crystals and diamonds, we go, that tells us the title is that valuable. But I can tell you what, trophy or no trophy, Aaron Gossage wins. He doesn't say, oh, this, this title has no value to it. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but I think the opinions fly because, again, I think that's how we draw our attention to the value of an event. And so if we're hearing world title, we think the trophy should match that. Now, I don't think the players totally feel that way. They wouldn't turn down uh, an insanely diamond-crusted trophy. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think at the end of the day they hold that trophy up and they think, this is the value of my win. I think they hold it up proud because of the title that they have won. That's my take. I think events could do better for themselves marketing-wise if they did upgrade their trophies. But I don't think that that is inherently what we're trying to accomplish here is trophy quality. Nick, go ahead. Whatever you got. <laughs> yeah, I think those trophies were awful to look at. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, they weren't anything special, and they looked like, I don't know, just an average Kid yeah. made a collage trophy. Do you want my opinion on what they look like? I agree. They looked subpar. Yeah. I agree. And they were heavy as all hell. Okay. Like they're super heavy. Okay. Um, but I don't think a lot of people know, but they also got a glass world trophy, mm. like a glass stand with a glass globe on it. Um, it was in another box, but that also Kristen and Paul both received. Um, and I opened up Paul's. It was pretty sick. That was that was one of the actually the cooler trophies that I've actually ever seen. Whoa! So that um, doesn't get so advertised. Interesting. For some other reason, I, I don't know why. Um, I don't even know if I was supposed to say that. Maybe I'm not. But at the same <laughs> time, there secret. was also a really really cool glass one. I'm not really and sure. And now, an exclusive announcement. Yeah, exclusive. Three times um, tonight. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm on fire. But um, <laughs> the the trophy itself, I think just looked horrible like if i was an outside sports person looking into disc golf i think if i saw that trophy i'd be like yo what the hell and so matt matt you were saying earlier that you know you play for the title and not the trophy i'm gonna be brutally honest when i go to tournaments especially like b tier c tiers and a tiers like i play for the title and the trophy like one of my favorite things is getting a trophy and so like I, i've gotten a sailboat this year I got a glass one from the A tier that I played, and it was kind of like this glass wrapped one. Um, I've MVP Open Am side. I got like a legitimate looking trophy, which was one of the cooler ones that I've ever seen. Um, and so I'm one of those players hmm. who 
like if i go to an event i want there to be a trophy that's not just a disc with the tournament name yeah. on it matt a couple of trophies that i own are pictures that you've taken that get put into a frame right and i think that's cooler than just getting a disc and putting you know first annual that Bagel is my point and- that's my point though and i agree i, I like the fact that you're yeah. pushing back here but that's my point nick so the quality of the trophy is what i'm saying you're not playing yeah. for it you said a picture with a frame of the event like you want something to recognize the win by and I, I guess i'm trying to say the way that that trophy looked we can all agree it looked it it didn't have that major appeal to it yeah. but to that individual champions cup had a cool one ryan lynn just yes. said that champions cup actually had a great trophy but but why, i guess my point is why did we change yeah no but i guess my point is like at the end of the day that trophy is what commemorates that win for that player and whether they go this is the coolest one or not they're able to put that up and say i remember that moment that win they don't go man i yeah. remember the quality of that trophy it really sucks that i won that event and that's what i got like i i don't think that's what's happening I, again i'll say I, I think a really think cool it, trophy is really a good marketing yeah. move for any tournament and worlds i think it's a little detrimental yeah. to where like okay so one of the guys that i was hanging out with all weekend wicked cool guy uh julian he's the ufc fighter that's mm-hmm. gotten into disc golf recently insanely fun person to hang out with absolutely loves watching disc golf and so we were talking about like he is an outside celebrity in our sport Mm -hmm. and so let's say he didn't know paul let's say he didn't know ricky or any of them and he just came to watch and like he sees that that's what the player gets for winning Mm -hmm. like when he goes on twitter and says hey congratulations to chris and tatar and paul Macbeth, but look at these trophies because there are plenty of people who do that like one of the biggest things right now going around is the look of the trophy what is the, what trophy than, does a ufc fighter get is it belts i, I don't know uh, i know yeah. that's well, i know for, that's boxing yeah for championship matches they get belts so otherwise like the, the winner got twenty thousand dollars belt a belt would have been cooler than that one well because that's what we've perceived it to be but if it like yeah. my point is it, it just depends on the marketing of the event because they could make yeah you're right they could make anything cool but I, but $20,000 is a pretty good trophy. Like, and the fact that they didn't announce the globe that you're telling us about, that's super insightful. To, it should be super insightful to everybody. I don't know why they didn't market that better. So like, yeah, I, I can I see all why. sides we, of this. I can see all yeah. sides of it. And I'm just saying, when, though, I, I don't see it as a big deal personally. When Paul's world's video comes out eventually, because mm-hmm. um, I know he had a camera crew out there filming awesome. it. When that world's video comes out, at the end of it, I kind of like jokingly open it up. And if they leave it in there, then you'll actually get to see what that one looks like. Shattered on um, the ground. It's really cool. Whoops. It was definitely one of the cooler ones that I've seen. And like Ledgestone, or excuse me, um, D-Glow, I think back in 2018 when Paul hit the perfect round year. Like I think I had that trophy for a while. And someone else might have it now. Or it's at my parents' house. Something like that. But it's this massive glass one. I think the glass trophies are easily the coolest ones in disc golf. Someone said earlier, glass blown open, you know, previously on those courses, and, mm-hmm. and Eagle found the glass that was blown open. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> um, nice. All right. So I just want to say, because it's a world show and we're getting ready to wrap up, in the past 15 years since Macbeth went pro, has there been anyone else who has helped propel the sport forward more? Now, you can't give one person credit, but if Paul Macbeth was not in the sport, are we even close to where we are today? Is there even any conversation about that? The way that this guy drives. I mean, the Paul Macbeth Foundation now installing as much as it has for courses. All of his winnings go there. Um, I don't. I think that's still a thing. I think that was this year. Yeah. Yeah. And He's at seventy thousand already, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Well, doing fantastic. Eagle things. said he didn't even get a trophy for European Open. 
Oh, Eagles in here? That's yeah. He's he's been, still listening. That's crazy. Eagle. Barsby gets an axe and he gets air. Okay, so Eagles. Well, Barsby got it from Sula Open. So well, two I know, I know. I'm just saying, yeah. like, and that yeah. was cool. I'm not saying trophies aren't cool. Like, I think trophy. I want a good trophy. But my point is, if you go, Matt, if the trophy's not good, do you still want to play for the title? Everyone says yes. I want the world title. That's what Paul said. Like, yeah. everyone wants that. I agree. You can roast me all you want, guys. I think a cool trophy is a spectacular thing, and I think that marketing for events should do that better. But at the end of the day, there was a trophy. Nick said it was heavy, <laughs> and that's something to be said for it. Which one? I don't know. Oh, you, you yeah, said they were the, heavy. Yeah, the world one. But, yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was just a bunch of aluminum put together. But I guess my point is Macbeth has done a yeah. lot for the sport, and apparently Eagle didn't yes. get anything at the European Open for trophy-wise. So I played a C-tier this year out in Pennsylvania, and I won it. And I got no trophy. And I was like, whatever. It was a C tier on Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, I wrong. understand that. I was like, kind of, I was kind of sad. I was ready to roast them the next week on the podcast. But I was like, you know what? It's a C tier. I'll let it slide. It's also Pennsylvania. Dude, dude, if I won a freaking major yeah. and didn't get a trophy for it, like, I'm sorry. But All right, that's we got to get Eagle back in here. Horrible. No, it's too late. I'm kidding. That was yeah. a joke. No, any opportunity yeah, my girlfriend's to Eagle. Eagle no, actually, we do love you. Off. We would have you back on, yeah. but we've been going over two hours. Um, this is a hot. Where, where's Evan? By did he drop? Or yeah, just, I think Evan's not. <laughs> no, I'm right here. Oh, Inter, this is intern Ben Evan. You, I, I, did you pay him for lunch today? I mean, did he pay? I don't know. What's I going did. On. I paid him. All right. Yeah. You guys were just talking. Evan right, was just well. silent. Hey, you guys were going, and I was just like, yeah. All right. Here's a hot take, and it's a it's here's a question me. that should never be asked, but I'm gonna do it. Will Paige Pierce ever win another FPO World Title if yes. the same field is present yes. from here on out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're saying she can. I think she will. You think yeah. she will with she the same will. field no, that's will. present? I think she yes. will. I think Kat will win one more. I think Pat Paige will win one or two more. Um, but I also think Kristen will win like two or three more very easily okay. too. We don't need to debate it. I mean, if everyone else's reaction is that in the world, and that's fair. And I think it's probably deservedly so. But you got to wonder when when they're playing at their best, who's better when they're playing at their best, right? But okay, so how about Paul Macbeth? Does he win a seventh title one day? Yeah, it's getting harder. Mm. This victory, <laughs> Evan, the, the victory, the victory I, this I year. The victory, hold on. the victory this year, and I would. We didn't ask Paul because he wasn't on. We'll try to line that up. Is it the most accomplished? And I don't mean like what does it mean in his career. I oh. mean the most accomplished competitively. And Evan, do you have stats on that? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we did a fun thing because we were looking if Aaron Gossage happened to win, right. like what would that mean? And he would have had the one of the fewest events played in MPO before winning since like DOS in 05. But then we flipped it the other way around, just like out of curiosity, who's played the most events before winning Worlds? And it was actually before this year, it was Barsby in 2018 with 335 MPO events played prior to that World Championship in uh, 2018. Macbeth right now, or sorry, before Worlds, is at 359. So now he becomes essentially the most veteran, is how we're kind of wording it, most veteran player to ever win a World Championship. Hmm. As in played the most MPO events of all tiers before. It beats out Climo in 06 as well, who was at 322. I'm sure that'll be what people uh, think of as well. Interesting. But you're saying, eh, on if he does it again, because it is turning into he's a veteran and the players, are, the competition field is getting stronger, right? I was I was gonna lead that into a I think he's washed you know he's only won two events this <laughs> he year. He just wins. Uh, washed <laughs> up. <laughs> no, I I think it like honestly until Paul 
falls off a cliff at Worlds, as in what we saw at DDO, what we've seen at a few other events where he's just kind of missing from the leaderboard and then has that one run to get in the top 20, but he was really missing from the entire event. Until he does that at Worlds, I'm not counting him out of a possibility for a win. He might not be the favorite. He might not be exactly number two, but he's going to be one of your top where's, three, um, four players. Where, where's Worlds next year? Ooh. Isn't it GMC, baby? Not GMC, yeah. Smuggler's yeah. Notch. Who's won at GMC before? Nick Carl. Once. One time, that's all it takes. <laughs> One time, that's true. Uh, I yeah. actually have compared, won at GMC before. That's the what I'm side, saying. Bruce See? Ridge Open. See? Com- wow. Compared to like the six times he's won in Kansas. Stay tuned, yeah. everybody. No, I, I'm with you. He was second, obviously, because those of Worlds in the last 10 years. He was second when I was in 2018. He he charged. Actually, we, we posted a fun graphic about how this was actually the largest final round comeback in Worlds ever at three strokes. And Barsby comments, good thing I had five strokes on him in 2018. Yeah. Because uh, Paul came charging back to, I think, lose by two. So two, he did get three he strokes back. Uh, yeah. Anthon. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have one more question for Worlds. And first, I'm going to answer a chat question, which has nothing to do with Worlds. Someone said, Nick and Ben versus Matt and Evan, who wins? And I would say, to be more fair, just because I know our skill levels, it should be Nick and Evan. <laughs> no, not after today. Whoa! Not after Whoa, today. yeah! No, I agree. Yeah, Nick and Evan, I, yes! Not after today. I smoked I you. I'll take yeah. it, though. I'll no, be on Evan Nick's is, team for Evan sure. Evan beat me today, fair and square. Yeah, but it was... I didn't just beat you. I beat Ben, but too. Ben, and I ben beat the, the MA2 champion. Strokes, okay, so we'll, we got all right. excited. Ben Ben yeah, has been performing on. at a high level for yeah. himself lately, so I just That was Ben's first time ever beating me in a tournament. whoop de doo Just Nick versus three best shot threesome. Okay, okay. I just did that for fun there. Sorry, everybody. I like how that happened take all that amp even us. the bogey bros we challenge you oh me and Matt, okay. come on now this is the last one that i have uh, lined up i mean there's still other news out there and things that haven't been announced and we're not getting to everything under the sun but when it comes down to world championships clutch moments whole 17's sequence of events drive one should not be a part of it on hole 17 but the sequence of events that led to that and led to paul getting the birdie and what statistically should have been aaron getting a stroke on paul paul got a stroke on aaron that event to me and i know aaron i don't know if you're still listening absolutely nothing condemning here for you but i do feel like in some ways paul stole it from aaron at that moment that's why i kind of brought it up how did he feel so i felt like that happened all right hole 17 Paul throws a drive, and like Aaron said, there's no possible way he birdies it. Even after throwing the upshot, Aaron says there's no possible way he birdies it. Aaron threw probably one of the filthiest drives on absolutely. that hole. Absolutely. But then, and this isn't a slight at Aaron, the dude absolutely murdered it, but he threw a bad shot on his second shot. Yes. Like, he threw it to, like, 60, 65 right. feet, right, maybe 50, 55. Mm-hmm. But, like, he had every opportunity to absolutely pin that basket and like you you didn't know where paul was and pretty sure on udisc it said that he was on the fairway after two throws so like he's not even technically putting for birdie so yeah paul took it in that moment but also aaron kind of kind of gave it to him in the sense of like that second shot where his drive was every player in the tournament would take that drive 10 times out of 10. So okay. I will say there's a little bit of that, but then Aaron, I mean, to be but honest, Paul Aaron took had, it right back. Paul absolutely had no other choice. There was zero yeah. choice of what he had to do. So I guess it doesn't change how Paul plays is, is my point. And he didn't know how Aaron yeah. was going to throw, but, but yeah. to, to say but, stole it, maybe I see your opinion, like as your point, like Aaron 
kind of gave it there yeah. a little bit too. It wasn't like James Conrad in 2021 okay. where he stole the show on that final is this shot. Number, is then, this number two when it comes to Worlds with the way it flopped at the end? Do we have Worlds in the recent history where it was back and forth down to the last hole like that going to a playoff? There's not many. And when you think of it, like I mean, Ricky and Paul and these other battles, like it goes like it, it didn't yeah. happen that way where somebody it was eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 2014 might be the last one I think of. Well, 20, I mean, which... 2014, they also played worlds with what, six rounds in a final nine or yeah. seven rounds in a final nine. Like Paul came back, I think like six to eight strokes in the last two rounds or round and a half. Mm -hmm. Like Paul, that's why when Evan came out with that quote saying like this was the biggest comeback, I thought 2014 was. But I think it was his semifinals round where yeah. he had a stupidly big comeback um, in that round to even put himself in contention in the final nine. I, I guess I'm yeah. just I'm, I'm making this point and maybe I don't have a foundation to stand on. But that sequence of events has to go down, at least in our memories, as like elite top. I had to think to myself, the amount of people I heard saying, you do not understand how hard that drive was makes me realize I don't understand how hard that, like, meaning that upshot was. Nick, you were there. Well, I mean, so, everybody, the elite are saying, like, it's it's okay. the best thing under the sun. Like, I'll give you I'll give you one of the best quotes that I've heard about it. Okay. Um, John Tompkins was on Paul's bag this week. Right. Now, if you guys don't know, John Tompkins is the kid that was on Paul's bag from 2012, 13, 14, and 15. Watched him win four in a row. They're best friends from California. He used to own Supreme Plate. He's the absolute man. So, anyway, so he's caddying for Paul. He watched Paul line up that shot and was kind of like, well, if Paul thinks he can do it, then he can do it. <laughs> Tompkins said right after that shot, and we were done celebrating on hole 16 or whatever, like after we were all hanging out, he said that was probably top two or three greatest shots that he's ever seen Paul throw and to do it in that situation. So I think it was you just had him at like 550 or 510 to get to the basket. And he probably threw that like 475 to 500 feet just on an absolute rope carrying OB the whole time. If he throws at OB right there, he loses the tournament. Aaron's your 2022 Disc Golf World Championship. But the fact that he had flipped it up to flat perfectly, got the ever so slightest <laughs> turn, got the skip at the end, and then made the massive 68 or 69 yes. foot putt, whatever foot it putt, was. Yeah. 70 foot putt. I mean, like I said, Tompkins, who had the best view out of anyone in the world, saw that shot and literally said that was probably top two or three shots that he's ever seen Paul throw. It, and, and, and what I want to say, situation. yeah, go Evan. It is like Brian Earhart on the call was fantastic. Like he kind of mapped up exactly what Paul needed to do and kind of <laughs> said how hard this shot was. He's yeah. like, it's going to be incredible if he does this exact thing. Yeah, he did. Paul steps up does that exact thing and then you're like like oh my goodness like brian just said how hard it was going to be and said what he's going to do and he does it and now he's got a, a look uh and i think that was fantastic and i mean like brian's call was very good um if i'm Absolutely. remembering it right i mean i just remember being blown away and being like wow like yeah nice yeah. i do now we're getting off topic a little bit here but Earhart's commentary or insight is i, I love it we got to get Brian back on your heart's awesome. His insight yeah. is so good because he's able to say what's pretty accurate. Like you just said, Evan, like he's able to go, I know Paul's game and he knows a lot of players games. And he says, I know like what it's going to take to do this. And he gives it a level of like, this is very unlikely or highly unlikely or probable. And like, he's nailing it. So excellent thing here. What worlds we got. I thought we were going to have Paul on tonight and we we're going to get some of these questions answered. I feel like i do not want to promise anything I, I do know a little bit that they're going to work to get tech situation figured out i don't know when that will be 
either we try to line them up soon, as in tomorrow, the next day. Next day, stay tuned. We'll try. Uh, maybe it's next week. We'll figure it out. Um, and we've always got MVP week. I can't promise anything there either. MVP open week, sorry. Where we might get in-person guests in studio. And we can line up a lot of guests. We've done it before. I think it's possible that Kristen Tatar maybe is lined up in studio come that week. She'll be around and it'll be the easiest way to get a hold of her. Um, all that being said, we probably missed a lot. You've probably been yelling at your screens or your podcast saying, "Didn't you didn't talk about this? Uh, leave us a comment or chat or reach out to us and maybe we can add it to our next conversation points. Um, anything, anything else, Ben? Intern Ben, did we miss anything? No, I got nothing. Awesome show. Thanks for lining up Aaron like that. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I tried my best. You need to build your Rolodex of contacts. So Aaron everybody. just randomly followed me. He had like 500 <laughs> uh, followers. Like it was like last year. I just and he randomly followed me because I followed him, and now he's big time and he still hasn't unfollowed me. So appreciate Aaron. Thanks for following me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. One of the things that people are going to talk about, and when we have Paul on. <laughs> Um, he can talk about it, but him just talking about the climb up situation, just saying like how a lot of the yep. greatest of all times mm-hmm. are still very heavily involved in their sport um, with climb not really being involved in our sport anymore. I'm not going to hash anything out on that because we'll, one, I, yeah, I we'll actually let don't him know do climb at all. We'll let him He's going to do all that, but I know that's something that a ton of people were asking about earlier. We're going to let Paul talk about that when Paul eventually does come on the podcast. My quick take is that it wasn't it wasn't a jab. It wasn't trying to be disrespectful. My take was it yeah. was at surface value what it was. Okay. He All literally right. said, I wish Kenny <laughs> exactly. would just be more present. But we want to like, dig I mean, it. We want to yeah, dig it. It's not even that a Maybe dig. he was yeah. talking about me, though. My last name's Kenny. I, I think Paul <laughs> we wants wish to say Ben, I'm just going to be honest. You're not the GOAT, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've For got a second a- there, I thought it. We've got a lot coming up. I'm playing yeah. uh, an event for once coming up here soon. I even got to look at the I'm date. I'm playing with you. When is it? When is it? Next weekend? This weekend. Come on now. Like as in like... Like this weekend. Like the ninth. Yes. Really? Yes. Wait, what event? Holy smokes. I got to take off mind. the work day. I, I've been playing ahead. Okay, this is... side. sorry. Okay, this is literally the last segment here. If you've made it this far, I'm going to ask for your help. <laughs> I, I I pass this I pass this on to Evan and Ben earlier. Nick, you can help me. I am playing the AM side, and I'm going to say this with all privacy included to this. Simon is getting married. Everybody knows that. It's been, he's posted in social media. He's talked about it in interviews. I have been privileged enough to be his friend, and I have been invited to the wedding. Invite me, Simon, please. Okay. I beg you. No, Simon. <laughs> I, I do not mean to do anything that Simon doesn't want. Talk about his wedding. Nothing else. This is. This is purely why I bring this up. The Amside MVP Open Amside event that I am playing in, that I've played in every year since its inception, and I even played the Vibram Open before the Amside was a thing. So like I played it every year. It's this weekend, apparently, Ben tells me, and I have a question. My, my round starts on Friday. That's not wedding day. If I play good on Friday, Nick, and listeners, I'm going to have a later tea time on Saturday. The later tea time I have will make it so I cannot attend the wedding, which is not going to happen. Okay, I'm going to go to the wedding. I value the friendship there. My question is, can I find it within myself and should I round one to not play my best disc golf so I get an early tea time on Saturday? Or I'm going to stop you there. Should I play the best I can? I play the best I can. And if I play the best I can and it's not good enough and I get an early tea time, great. If I play the best I can and it's fantastic, 
then I bow out of the event and say I'm proud of myself. Is that how you would handle it, Nick? Um, no, I mean I'm skipping like five different tournaments to go spend the whole, you know, wedding. Like Greater Hartford Open's going on, Nantucket Open. Um, so you're just not Virginia playing. that I could be going to. I'm Someone just not playing any of them. Steve no, he invited me to the wedding. Do. I'm going no, to the wedding. No, you can't shift. I could talk to Steve. You can't shift round two. Like, let me. I played no. well. Let me go off the beginning. Yeah. Here's the thing. Are they doing it? Is it one round, one round, one round? Yes. So it's very possible. So it's not. This is it's why not I haven't one, dropped. one anymore. Right. This is why I've I haven't dropped it is because there's the potential there that I play my rating and everything works out where I play every round. It's a tea time event. I what time part- does his wedding start? Well, we're not talking about that now. <laughs> people, people do weird <laughs> I stuff. I don't even know. People, yeah. people do weird Guys, stuff. His wedding's man. in Florida. Yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> worry, don't you? People worry. do weird stuff. We're not playing. Yeah. That why do you think I'm in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. But here's here's the point. I already brought this up to Simon. He looked at me like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" And I'm like, "Obviously, dude, I'm coming to your wedding. I'm just like playing yeah. it out." And, yeah. and so I'm gonna play the best I can. That's my, that's my take. I'm gonna play the best, play the I, best can. I can. And yeah. if it's not good enough, then hey, I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> what layer are you playing first? Blue, and then diamond, and then blue. gold. Well, hopefully it doesn't snow again this year. <laughs> Three feet right. of snow. Yeah, yeah we've made it late enough. Crazy. Anyways, yeah. that was just to throw it out there for people. Cool. Uh, everyone's saying, yeah, play your best. Don't tank. Da 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 da. Playing bad for a purpose. <laughs> Give the spot to someone else. Uh, Listen, the chances that I play my rating, and then, like I said, it's fine. So it's not like, uh, okay. Anyways, just or just you're leading after round one. Or what? Or what, Nick? I said, or just, you know, show up to the wedding late. <laughs> Stephanie, like, play Stephanie would kill me. She's like, no, we're going on time, and you're not yeah, going to push she's it. Fine. She's like, you're not going to put it close. You're going to be yeah. early. Okay. Anyways, that's apparently, and I'm, I'm glad I brought that up. Dude, I literally did not realize it was this weekend. Yeah. I knew that the wedding and that lined up, but this is how out of the loop I am with my my yeah, days. The weddings yeah. in Florida on. <laughs> I better get my plane Tuesday. ticket. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right, guys. Great show, Nick. You close yep. us out. It's been a while since we've done a show together. Yeah, I know, right? Holy cow, I feel like it has been. Anyways, thank you everyone for tuning in tonight. Sorry about the whole debacle of not being able to get Paul on. Um, just crappy technical difficulties, and I feel their pain because I used to live with them, and I know exactly what they're going through. Apparently so it was worse, been... lightning strike or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, months and months ago, lightning struck their house, and it burned the modem, <laughs> and they travel so much that they literally yeah. haven't been able to fix it. And anyways, long story short... <laughs> He'll be on soon. I know he actually really did want to come on tonight. Him and I have been talking about it since he won the world championships. But anyways, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, Thank you, Ben, for getting Gossage on tonight and then Eagle jumping in the crowd. Um, Don't forget to hit the like button. So many of you already have. But if you haven't yet, go ahead and hit that like button. And then um, don't forget to follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. Nick, it's great to have you back. You're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.